Hello. It's Thursday. What's this? What's that about? How come it's Thursday? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. I can't really tell you why it's Thursday, but I can tell you why we released an episode on Thursday. So, over on our Patreon, way back in January 2023, we started a new show. Uh, one of a few new shows, but we started a new show in which we reevaluated the discography and career of Manic Street Preachers, somewhat using the skills we've acquired over the last three and a bit years of music analysis to see what we make of it all now, what, what time and experience has, has taught us. Uh, the show is called Are We Still So In Love With You? And so far we've covered everything from New Art Riot to This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours. It has actually been very interesting to go back to the topics of that first Manic season and dig back in with like more knowledge of how to talk about music. I mean, Lucas and Steve especially, it's been a lot of fun already and we're not even halfway through. So that's some context. But what is, what is this? Um, this is the, the Holy Bible episode of Are We Still So In Love With You? Now available for free on our main What Is Music feed and free over on Patreon as well. We think you'll enjoy it and that it offers an interesting retrospective on the album, uh, our initial thoughts on it versus our current thoughts on it, and a bit of a kind of look back on that uh, first season that we all shared together when we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, this episode, it's, it's pretty typical of the rest of the season in structure, in the kind of the far-reaching discussion, uh, and uh, especially in, in that it, it's pretty fucking long. So... Here you have the whole thing. There's more than three hours presented with no interruptions. There's no edits to this. Uh, it's exactly as our subscribers first heard it a few months ago. And we figured this one would be the best one to illustrate how the show is, is different and what's changed in the time between. And crucially, for some people, you'll get to hear what Lucas thinks of the Holy Bible now, which, you know, back in the original season was a cause for much discussion with his famous analysis of don't rate and his score of three out of ten if you've ever wondered how he feels about it now this is your chance to find out obviously this show is over on our patreon so if you do enjoy listening to it and you think you'd like to hear the rest of the season you can head over to our patreon page where episodes on the band's early days generation terrorists gold against the soul everything must go and this is my truth tell me yours are available now if you'd like to subscribe uh if you would like to subscribe you can also now claim a free seven-day trial, and that's for any of the tiers. So you could also check out the other things that we're doing. If you subscribe to the Biggest Mates tier, you'll get like ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of this Mannix show every month, uh, two episodes a month of the Ultimate Playlist, which is like this themed playlist show where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and then also one or two bonus episodes every month depending on the length of the month. Some of those are Mannix gig commentaries that we didn't manage to get to in the first season because we did things a little bit differently. Um, that's two episodes every week. Uh, imagine that. Uh, the Mannix show is available in, in that middle tier, but hey, if it's free, you could try a bit of everything and see what you might like to go in on. Uh, plus, all of the tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord. It's very exclusive back there, guys. And it's where we discuss the show's the bands we've covered, various music topics, loads of other stuff, including some uh, games that the friendly community have devised by themselves. It's kind of taken on a little bit of a life of its own. Um, so to hear all of the Manix episodes that we've released so far, and the ones we've got coming up, just go and head over to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod 
or follow the link in our show notes. But primarily, enjoy this exploration of the Holy Bible, now available outside of the Patreon. Here we go. Explain to me why you just said you'd rather be dead in the ground than than recording something today. Just had a long day. I'm tired. Oh, bub. Tired. Bubbers. No. Oh. Tired. Today, everything just felt against me today. Oh, really? Just one of those days, you know, you just you just want to fucking shoot yourself in the head. It's just one of those days. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to wake up. Things fucked. Everybody I want to have sucks. a little. I want to have a little sleep. Do you? Yeah. Well, do you, we can have a little sleep. That's fine. There'll be some moments where we're gonna play like some the songs from the Holy Bible, which means I'll be guaranteed to fall asleep. Yeah, but also you can and just you straight have... back into shock jock <laughs> mode. There it is. You He's could have little baby. micro naps, couldn't you? While they're while while they're playing. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Because I I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the songs. Well, because now this, you this are... Time, this time, Adam, I'm going to listen to the songs. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Good. Well, you're, you're a professional critic now, so you sort of have to, really. It's yeah. very much part of your 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 job. Is this your job? Would you consider this your primary job? This is my secondary job. Oh, okay. Steve, primary, secondary, what's going on? It is a nice time with my friends. No, but so come on, where Steve's, would you rank it This is it Steve's tertiary your... job. It's my secondary job. Yeah, it's a tertiary yeah. job. No, it's a tertiary job. No, no. this is this is my primary job, but I don't get paid nearly enough as it's it's as, it's secondary. So he has his main job, that, yeah. uh, right, uh, wherever you work, and then it's this, and then it's father to his son, just below. Yeah, and that this. was. The, I'm glad Adam got what the third job I was talking about was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's just, not a job. It's a joy. Oh, spelled slightly different, isn't it? Maybe that's. Yeah. What, I was misreading it. Maybe that's yeah, what it yeah. was. Maybe that's what is it this was. Is your secondary joy? Uh, this I don't. This isn't a joy. It's not a joy. There's no, absolutely no joy left in this anymore, mate. Anyway, <laughs> hello. Holy Bible! <laughs> <laughs> hello, it's us again. Welcome to Are We Still So In Love With You? A re-listen, re-litigation and re-examination of the history, cultural impact and music of Manic Street Preachers. We're going through their entire discography, album by album, with more experienced ears, selecting highlights and moments we may have reassessed after three years of listening to the band, and asking questions like, does time spent with an album improve your understanding of it? Does listening with a more critical ear affect how we feel about their output? And we're, of course, asking, are we still so in love with you? To be clear, we're asking, are we still so in love with you in reference to the band Manic Street Preachers, and not, are we still so in love with you in reference to this podcast, which is called, are we still so in love with you, and which you may or may not still be in love with? I'm Adam Scott Glassball. Big fan of the band Manic Street Preachers, I led a year-long deep dive into almost every aspect of their career, going album by album, track by track, with two other hosts that represent a range of perspectives on music in general. <laughs> and with varying levels of knowledge on the band themselves, they join me again today, this time completely familiar with the band and their music. Initially, the person who knew least about their career and with the most limited interest in music in general, and who came out with a mostly middling opinion of, Manic, of the Manic's output. It's Lucas, I'm a sleepy boy, way. I want to rub the human face in its own vomit and force it to look in the mirror. And that's very much been your goal across the whole podcast, isn't it? Regardless yeah. of season or episode or album. No. Uh, well, Billie Eilish season particularly. That, that was, <laughs> you know, there's big Holocaust energy on that season. From you, we mean. Yeah, yeah, from you. Um, and somebody who was also here. 
<laughs> I'm not, yep. I've got more. I've got more. Uh, yeah, who, okay. when they started, was not necessarily able to explain why they liked or disliked music, but suddenly learned how to apply a critical ear to music. And who mostly enjoyed what 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 you heard of the Manics? It's Steve Murphy. Whatever you see will be rotting flesh. Both both picked uh, lyrics. Uh, f- well, lyrics and a quote from the same song. Uh, which is interesting uh, and I, I'm going to make the argument that that song is the centrepiece of the album as well how do you feel about that? I kind of agree because it's got the, the, the line that Lucas said sums up the entire thing yeah doesn't it? doesn't yeah. it just? yeah yeah it does I don't agree okay like, oh right yeah you're going right back into we'll go it back, we'll it. go back to it no because yeah, yeah. the centrepiece would be Revol well, it'd be the point between Revol and Four Stone Seven Pounds wouldn't it? Uh, seven that, side, is that what it is? <clears throat> it'd be the it'd be the, the 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 moment it skips from track six to seven would be the centerpiece of the album. Um, yeah, because there's thirteen because there's thirteen tracks. So wouldn't that make it halfway between? Wouldn't it make it halfway through four stone seven pounds then? Yeah, because you'd need half but, a track to go either way. That's seven and a half. It's six and a half, isn't it? No, because four stone seven pounds is track seven, Adam. Yeah, yeah. So if you do six tracks and then half of four stone seven pounds, then you've got half of four stone seven pounds and six tracks left. I would actually, I do you know what? You're right. And also in terms of the song choice, I think you're right. And well, also the, the song is split in half. That is maybe half, the yeah. the halfway point of the Holy Bible. We've cracked wow. it. Are we going to come up with anything it. better than that today? Should we knock it on the no. end? Five minutes. Knock it on the end. Let's do it. Three out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. In case you hadn't realised what's going on today, we've reached The Holy Bible, the third album by Manic Street Preachers, released on the 29th of August 1994. Although I actually think it might have been released on the 30th of August in some territories, Steve. Um, yeah. And I say Steve because that's your birthday. Uh, yes. it's, it's about 14 months after Gold Against the Soul, barely even a year, not long at all. Um, speaking of length... It's 13 tracks and 56 yep. minutes. Ooh. Would it have been better if it was called the Bowley Heibel? <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah, okay. yeah, not bad. Uh, it's produced by the band themselves, uh, and Steve Brown did some production on She Is Suffering, and that's the producer of uh, Generation Terrorist, by the way. Uh, huge shout-out to Alex Silver, who engineered the record and was, if you'll pardon the pun, mm. instrumental in how mm. it sounds and yeah. also a huge mm. shout out to alex ollis obviously yeah. just for being there the yeah. the 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 touchstone of the podcast i reached out to him the other day and said you've got to come on the podcast he said but i have nothing to offer and it's difficult mm. to argue with that it's difficult to argue with that alex if you're listening did he mean for the podcast or? I, i'm not sure <laughs> i think that's his out of office reply okay um, <laughs> right look let's get into uh, the Holy Bible chat, um, and before we uh, chat about the album itself, before we chat about how we used to feel about the album and whether or not we feel the same way, because obviously when the, when it came out, this was quite a contentious episode for a couple of reasons, but we're not going to delve into it just yet, because just before oh, we yeah. get to that bit, yeah, different energy. We need different energy on this one. That's what I'm going yeah, yeah. for. I'm going for a, a hectic, <laughs> uh, chaotic energy no, on this have, one. Have, this, this time, have you not spent weeks reading about the Holocaust and all of the wrongs of humanity and so you don't feel as bad? I have, yeah. yeah. You just feel good about those things. Yeah, 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 I've, yeah. I've changed my opinion uh, <laughs> on, on all of those things. And that's what we're well, it's easy for you to today. feel better about it when you don't think it happened, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> before we get into our opinions on the album, whether or not the Holocaust happened, uh, it did. What yeah, just, yeah, just to be clear, it definitely one hundred percent did. Uh, what oh, What do God. we 
remember about how the album was written and recorded? Anything? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. right. Yeah. They were offered to go and record it in Barbados, of all places. Of all places. Someone's been bloody listening to the episode. Someone's been listening back to their own episodes. <laughs> Tell you what, guys, uh, I haven't. So you guys, you you guys are going to have to guide me on this one. You didn't yeah. listen back this time. No. Because you've been listening back to the old episodes because you couldn't handle the vibe. Yeah, I thought, I thought they were pretty poor, actually. Yeah. I listened to about half an hour and thought, I'm actually going to mug this off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because everyone loved them at the time because they, they loved the content. They didn't necessarily enjoy you know, the quality. Um, uh, but instead they chose to record it in a little shitty studio in Wales. Yeah, a horrible little little place. Called, you know, called Studio Studios. Studio Studios. What was it? Oh, it has got a famous name. Sound Space or something? Sound Space, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was that weird sort of triangular room that you could barely get a band in, right? Right, okay. (laughs) Yes, it was triangular. Or it was certainly like a weird shape, Um, which I think... A triangle isn't that weird. It's not... not, It's It's a weird shape for a room. Weird shape for a room, though. I think it's the most normal shape. I'd say a square. <laughs> Speak on that. Yeah. It's got more, well, a square's got more sides. Yeah. Yeah. A triangle is simpler. Circle, It's the simplest shape. Circle, then, isn't it? Fuck. Yeah. No, a circle's got all the maths stuff that makes it very interesting. Well, so, so triangles with, like, equilateral and Pythagoras and hypotenuse. Isosceles. Who's he? Is that... Is he like a famous philosopher? Is he one of the no. philosophers that's referenced on the Holy Bible? Isosceles. Is there a quote Isosceles. on here from Isosceles? No, it's vanilla Isosceles. What's that? I don't know. Okay, good. <laughs> right. um, do you remember uh, what kind R- of Richie, like, uh, Richie wasn't well. Yeah, the yeah, Manics were going through a bad time. Yeah. None also, of them were great, Richie. Right? Remember him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 from the man. Did, did you again forget that he's like a part of the story because it's, it's so early on? Because most of the time we spent doing the podcast, he wasn't around. Yeah, we didn't have to consider him. Although he comes up in the songs a lot, I suppose. Um, all of the Manics were having a bad time, right? Uh, James got dumped by his fiance. Uh, they just lost their manager, Philip Hall, yeah. Philip Hall which was sad. Um, Alex Silver lost his relationship because of recording this album uh because the hours were so long it was like 16 hour days uh all all crammed this whole album was recorded in like four weeks so uh his partner left him uh weren't they going to be dropped from their label yeah they were just about to be dropped because of the disappointment of gold against the soul yeah so <laughs> and, and gold against the soul is the sound of excess that that huge mansion can you hear the studio in this album yeah, you can hear the opposite. It's like the an- yeah. anti anti excess, whatever yeah. that word is. Anti gats. Mm-hmm. And mm. uh, anti excess. Didn't they record on less tape or something mm. weird? Is, or am I thinking of Radiohead? Uh, they well, this this is actually interesting because I was going to say that like one of the things we talked about, we 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 talk a a lot about studio business for Radiohead, right? Mm. With them using like different methods to achieve different tones and different moods, which typically we've, we've been quite into. But when I mentioned that the Manics re- used a thinner width of tape than you usually would in order to get a thinner, almost like worse sound, we were a bit nonplussed. We were a bit like, what's the point of that, I seem to remember. I stand mm. by it. Can you not hear it on the album that it sounds like compressed and thin and kind of gross? Probably, you could probably achieve that. Like, you could probably record it high quality and then like, transfer it down to a shitter quality or something 
Mm. It's like what I said with Radiohead about them like limiting the amount of tracks they had access to. And I just said, no, nah, but just you have the options. Same thing. Have the options. Right, but that is that is the uh, the brain of uh, someone who likes to back things up and have things organised. That is not the brain of a creative person who realises that a lot of creativity comes out of limitations and barriers that you put in front of yourself and have to overcome in creative ways, you know? Sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds, <laughs> sounds awful and pointless. So what sounds uh, better? Redundancy. Okay, yeah, good. I guess so. I guess so. Um, it was it was recorded with what James Dean Bradfield described as academic discipline. Uh, they worked on each song as though it was an essay. With he- each one had headings and structures, and they described themselves as cocooned. I think Nikki used the word cocooned. They were sort of like sequestered away from the glamorous Britpop parties at which they felt they maybe didn't belong. Because this is 1994. This is definitely maybe park life sort of stuff, you know. I think Pulp released an album this year as well. Uh, And to answer a bit of your question, Lucas, they described themselves as method musicians. You know, like, you know... Park life. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You know, like, you know, like method acting where you immerse yourself in something in order to portray it. They immersed themselves in squalor in order to capture it. They used shit equipment so that the music would sound shit. You know what I mean? And doesn't this album sound shit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like sludge. <laughs> it sounds- no, it doesn't sound like sludge. No, it doesn't sound like sludge. It sounds like the... It sounds like the... They're, they've... They're recording in... in uh, France. No, wait. That, that's no. They're recording in like America, but they brought British equipment over, and they've not considered the fifty hertz to sixty hertz sort of change. <laughs> everything's and everything just sounds power, <laughs> and everything just sounds a little bit electronically wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they've also recorded in. in they haven't soundproofed the room so much as they as they've encased it in metal or something like that. Yeah, everything's really sure. tinny and reverberates around the room. Um, and you're right, Richie. Deeply unwell, uh, mainly drank and slept for the recording. Uh, he was also hitting what Nicky called peak intelligence, uh, which is interesting. He was reading like five books a week. He was filling notebooks upon notebooks with with notes, which he then distilled into the things that make up the Holy Bible. This would have been before they recorded it, I suppose. The working title that Richie gave all of those things as a collection was The Poetry of Death. Mm. I was going to say, well, wasn't he also doing a lot of cutting at this time as well? Yeah, there's a lot of self-harm. A lot of self-harm. A lot of drinking. You know, he, he's also uh, pretty, pretty deep into an eating disorder at this point as well. Um, and, and, and when he completed the lyrics um, uh, and, and passed them off to the band and, they, and they'd, re, re, uh, they'd, they'd finished a lot of the album, um, he was then sent for treatment. For depression, yeah. alcoholism, and eating disorder, we are we are at this point, by the way, less than a year before the last time Richie would be seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when uh, when you say he was reading five books a week, presumably they were also like you know grim, but he wasn't reading like Percy Jackson. No, mainly because it wasn't out. That's one of the main reasons. I don't know when Percy Jackson <laughs> came out, Adam. He wasn't reading Harry Potter. He wasn't reading any... I, don't well, I wasn't out either, Adam. Of, well, I don't know, do I? I don't know when Harry Potter came out, Lucas. Um, um, yeah, he was reading, like, Anne Frank's Diary or something. Oh, he'll have been reading, like, 
just like philosophy and- Sylvia Plath and philosophers and grim uh all, all sorts of stuff and they would have been thick and wordy as well do you know what i mean he was not like oh I'm, i need to do five books this week i'll pick five thin and he's easy definitely, ones he's definitely he's definitely someone yeah. who because of academic interest read mein kampf oh that's interesting yeah he's definitely possibly. read it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah just because yeah. he want not because he uh, you know enjoyed it but because he's like would want to read such a thing is it is it succession where they find out that someone's read Mein Kampf like a couple of times? Twice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were there any gems that you missed the last time around? <laughs> um, um, yeah, I could see him doing that. Um, I could see it being in the run up to this album if it happened. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff from around that period of history uh, on this album. Uh, when we came to record it. Our episode on it, by the way, not the album. Not the Holy Bible. No, we no. did not record the Holy Bible. No. Not that we uh, know of. Should we record a cover album of the Holy Bible? Discuss. Shall I do what I did with Know Your Enemy? Yeah. For the Holy yeah. Bible. Just yeah, make yeah. it yeah. really soft and, yeah. yeah. Disco. Um, this was a very intimidating record the first time round, I think. Because it's, it's quite dense, right, this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes with a reputation. Yeah. And in some ways it's unfortunate that it came so early in our podcast because I don't think we'd we'd fully settled in on what the show was by that I point. I listened back to the episode Zer. Zer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah, we weren't very good. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> but it was like the second time we'd recorded I mean, me and Steve together. are still shit, but what I really mean Adam is you were probably about as good then as we are now. Yeah. And that's not enough. No, that's not. That's not true. That's not true. But it was a it was an interesting couple of episodes to to revisit because one, our sound quality has improved massively. Uh, yeah. But like the episodes are so somber, rightly so in places. Like you're not going to make too many jokes about anorexia, right? But like every five minutes, it was like, uh, yeah. I think we still have that, but I have the ability to edit it out now. Sure. <laughs> also, though... But hey, form and function, right? That also, was, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and this will start, and this will actually, I think, be relevant when we talk about the actual, how we feel about the albums, but also, you know, to go in depth a bit, we recorded it in the same session as doing Gold Against the Soul. So we'd mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. done all of Gold Against the Soul and then had a bit of lunch and then just got on back on with it. Yeah. And I hadn't Which slept. now I hadn't seems mental. And Adam, you weren't doing well. Because you'd gone hard into the Holy Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve wasn't well for reasons I don't remember, but it was mentioned on the episode. Uh, I think he was missing his son. There was something, there was something, we didn't go into it. So it was just a lot of vibes going on. A lot of vibes. But it also and I was felt... unhappy because you two were in my house. Yeah, we were in your breeze. <laughs> which obviously space. now we don't have to do. We can do it over Zoom and that's great because it means I don't have to be physically present with you. It felt so somewhat, I'm feeling uh, much better. It felt somewhat appropriate for the album in, in some ways, it did. though. Yeah. I, remember, I remember thinking, like, oh, no, this feels correct. And I don't know, hey, maybe we'll slip back into that mode today. I can feel myself getting there. I'm yeah, having nah. to keep, like, lift my nah. voice up Sean Moore. <laughs> Sean Moore. What's this? Bits, 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 bits. bits. <laughs> Sean oh. Moore. When I'm having movie... Well, I mean, this is the thing. The only album that I can think of that came with similar baggage to this one that we've done is OK Computer. And by OK Computer, we were all absolutely on our bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, we had our roles nailed down, me especially. Um, 
of of all the albums that I've had to immerse myself in, this has by far been the the toughest. Nothing has compared to the first time round of doing uh, the Holy Bible. We say we had our roles nailed down, but I think I felt like I had my role nailed down and went too far, went too hard on it. <laughs> yeah. What? No what one you told mean? you to be a bastard, Lucas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. But I was like, right, that's, that's just going to be, that's just my, uh, that's my stance here. Actually, no, because the first two albums, I was Johnny Positive, actually. So, nah, so Johnny, Johnny that was the That was actually more the, the beginning of Mr. Negative. Um, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the infamous like the the bit where you can feel a lot of the air be sucked out of the room, I think, is you can hear that I'm quite passionate about this album. And you guys knew that I was passionate about this album. And it got to like, well, what do you think of the album? And Lucas went, did not rate. And you could just feel everyone go, Ugh. <laughs> I didn't say that, Adam. I didn't say that. You said didn't rate. Is it, is no, I didn't. I said words. don't rate. I said don't oh, rate. Oh, don't rate. Okay. Wow. <laughs> really? Don't rate. <laughs> you call it boring, is, is, is what you called it. And said yep. that you will never go back and listen to it again. And I haven't. Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> We're picking up now from you hearing it like four or five times three years ago. Because um, your score has changed for the Holy Bible more than insert something that changes a lot. I don't. I honestly don't know what my current standing score is. It doesn't actually matter now because we're going to... It's, all, it's it, all on the table. It started at a three. And I'll tell you that now, and we'll go over it a bit later. Cause I've done, yeah, I know, because I listened the to the episode. Dive. I've done the deep dive. And then on the Everything Must Go episode, I bumped it to a four. Oh, I see. I see what you did. I see what you did. Because on the Everything Must Go thing, you bumped it up to four. But then on This Is My Truth, you bumped everything down a point except the Holy Bible. So it remained at a four, and everything else went down a point. Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's been at two. No, I'm it sure never It, it never two. reached two. No, you're thinking, reached two. you're thinking of Jelf Flake. You're thinking of Jelf Flake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. now at a five, just to spoil it, what it is there. When you, did that happen? I don't know, but you adjusted it, it to a five at some point. Any time <laughs> in the last three years, yeah. <laughs> I think it was on the final episode of the Manic season. It might have been that. Um, I am interested in uh, how this album... Obviously, this whole episode is about how this album sits with you now, but to kind of kick that off... Uh, I'm interested in how this album sits with you guys now that you've heard all of their albums. Now that you know that this is the same band that made This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, the same band that made Send Away the Tigers, Lifeblood. Uh, this is the same band that did Postcards from a Young Man, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, what, what's the comparison like on, on that side of it? Well, it, you, can, you, can, you can see elements of later stuff in this album if you, if you really... If you really try, and especially like I've got a few notes around it, and I thought that was an interesting thing to. I'm going to go into it more when I talk about like how I feel and revisit, but it was very interesting to me to come at it from a different angle rather than here's a big myth album and it's very important and serious. Yeah. But when you kind of get that stripped away a little bit from re listens and just um, hearing what else they've done in their career, um, you can notice things like that on this album that actually, and I'm going to say it a lot, it's a punk rock album. It's just a, just it's it's some guys with guitars, bass, drums, and vocals, and it's weirdly easy to forget that with the Holy Bible. You can get more specific. It's very specifically a post-punk album. Yeah, that yeah. that is, that is the genre it sits in. Um, so you, so you can see, you can see everything must go in this album. I think. 
Oh, um, I just did a frown. You're going to have to audio walk format. me through that so one. So me and Adam both frowned then. <laughs> have we got notes on that coming up later, Steve? Because you're going to have to yeah. walk me through that one. Okay, good. Because okay. I'm just thinking about the two songs you've picked and I'm just really, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling to see that everything was going, the two songs that you've picked. Um, okay, man. Okay, man. Um, By how about you, Lucas? Like... Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, Lifeblood versus this. Uh, two very different vibes, right? But you wouldn't have been aware of that when we when we kicked off uh, the Holy Bible stuff last time. I wasn't aware of that. I was, I mean, obviously we've already done the, I, my, my whole, we've already done the first two albums. And I think I'm really confused by what my, what was that I wanted out of Manix at that point? Right. Right. Because I was re- like... It seems like I wanted Generation Terror. I don't know what I fucking wanted, but it seemed like I wanted Slash and Burn constantly or something. <laughs> um, and that's why I've, I said all oh, this album's boring. Because it's not like... Wow! Because you're like... We know when a baby bird hatches and it sees its mother and it imprints on whatever it sees. You You hatched and it imprinted on Generation Terror. Until I heard Everything Must Go, and then I imprinted on that, and then I imprinted on Lifeblood. I've remained imprinted on that ever since. I... But n- now, now I can just, I know all the bits of what they do. I can much easily just go, this is the mode. Mm. We're in this window here. We're in old manics. We're in Holy Bible. We're in post-Holy Bible, you know, mainstream era. Yeah. We're in trying to get big and doing some pretty mediocre albums area. <laughs> We're in, which is, you know, you're sort of, you're sort of postcards tigers. and tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. uh, and then... And now we're in the new Manix, which is everything post fucking, I don't know. Rewind. Futurology or something. Yeah, Futurology. Yeah. Futurology onwards, 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 yeah. Uh, so it's much easier for me to just now, like, this is the lane of this album, and so I can get into it. Do you know? Still not your preferred mode of Manix, though, right? Well, that's the thing. Now, now Manix, I just, they're just a thing I listen to, and it's, and I don't think I necessarily have a preferred mode. I mean, I've known the modes I'll be less likely to go back to ever, which is early, but, right. And maybe some of the other ones we'll find out, but I think I'm much more able to just go, well, that's no, the Holy Bible time now. That's the mode. Let's get into the Holy Bible, guys. It's- and, and obviously, you have, you know, as much as you made your shock jock declarative statement, I will never go back and listen to this album ever again. You have listened, you've sent us messages that are like, guys, for whatever reason, <laughs> whatever it is that was happening in your life that day, you've gone back and listened to the Holy Bible. Yeah, um, a bunch over the last like three years, yeah. What, what is it that, that, that draws you back to that? Because, you know, from, from the way we talked about it on the episodes, and I have to say we weren't in our full, like you know, fully able to be completely miserable about stuff like we kind of can be sometimes these days. Um, but we, uh, you know, there was a negativity around that episode and I would have been very surprised around the idea of you voluntarily listening to it again. So what was it that drew you back? Well, I think anything? initially it was probably academic interest. Right. Just yeah. like, you know, interest in it. And then it was just like, oh, I want to go and listen to the, my boys. Mm. Let's listen to the Holy Bible. Why not? Just a whim. Yeah, I think. And that and we've talked about it and then there's the familiarity aspect. Yeah. Which has only grown. That's gonna be big. That's because be big and now player. just to go again go meta with, with, with all of this. This isn't so much about the album, it's about when we did it the first time round. It's all to do with your experience of the album though. We did it in the same session as Gold Against the Soul. We had 
I think like two weeks to listen to both. Something like that. On the episode, I said, you said, oh, how much did you listen to it? And I said, oh, I think I listened to it like four or five times. And then I did my notes, which means I listened to it at most seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. I've a listened more to it seven that, times. Man, I've listened to it seven times this weekend. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the amount of that, that is not enough to, and now, I, especially now I know more about the fact that I need that time. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I would have ever have had enough time to really form that much of an opinion on it, apart from very initial, like, first impressions. We were, we were talking about that, and we do so many shows now that I forget what it is. I have a feeling it was a Radiohead episode where we talked about, will anything, will a piece of new music that we do for the podcast, that well, music that's new to you, ever get the 10 from Lucas? And I think we kind of decided, like, probably not, because you need, the, you need longer than three weeks with an album, right? For it to reach that sort of peak. Not to spoil that we might one day cover this. Uh, over the last like week or so, I've been listening to Grace by Jeff Buckley a lot. Right. Because I feel like I should. Had you heard it before? Once ever. Right, okay. I've been listening to it loads this week. I mean, I don't know if I give it a 10. But We're close, aren't we? Pretty, it's a pretty yeah. fucking high score, guys. Yeah, it's mean, a good album. It's a good album. <laughs> I can kind of see why it's such a good album. Short season as well, actually. Short it. season, one, one episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can knock one of those out if you want. I mean, I love do it after this. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, let's right, do yeah. it, lads. Um, Steve, you were much more positive on it. Um, talk about that. Yeah, I should mean, we, should I, we change well, it to talk about that or talk? By heaven, I by the grace the of the Lord talk. There by the grace of God. There by the grace of God <laughs> speaketh upon and me. Talk speaketh yeah. on Adam. Speak on that. Speaketh on Adam. I uh, I don't think I had a bad word to say about it, really. And but the the mode of it was just very. I was very invested in the context, and like that is where my brain was in that time when we were listening to it at that time. Um, so I was like, this is so important, and I was like tunnel visioned with that. Um. So at the time, I yeah, I just like yeah, this is great. I had heard it before, um, but I really kind of doubled down on that seriousness when listening to the album like mm, yes like like academic like the thing you were saying it is quite a serious album though isn't it it really is there's no winks oh there's a couple of winks maybe there's a couple, couple of winks. yeah there's a couple there, there is a moment on this you album you can buy her you can buy her that's yeah, not that, that's not that they're funny. all for that's sale not, that's oh, not that funny no. <laughs> there is a moment on this album that makes me laugh out loud the intense humming we- of evil Oh, yes. All the way through. <laughs> yeah! Um, that, that didn't before, but this time around, right, yeah, I just, uh, revisiting has been great because I, I could go in with all that knowledge about the songs and the lyrics and all the meanings and I could almost, although letting it still be part of the experience, kind of let it go to the wayside and enjoy the album. So I spent, I, I, I really had a great time with the Holy, Holy Bible yeah, see, this time around. Whereas but, I very opposite i think i've now gotten better at recognizing when something is good or when something is doing something even yeah. if it's not a hundred percent my taste i think i have gotten better at that as much as the joke is that i'm the one who just wants strings uh you know i think i am better certainly when i listen to those first few episodes yeah if i'd i hope i hope i'm better because if not sack me we, um, we we talked we talked on that episode i think about the difference between 
uh, enjoying something and something being yeah. good, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think you're 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 like your stance at that point, and it has it's changed drastically. But I think your stance at that point was like, if I don't enjoy something, then it's not good yeah. to, to you. Do you know what I mean? And also, but I'm also more open to enjoying. Also, the enjoyment isn't no longer just. Does this sound nice? Does this sound nice? Yeah, I yeah. I can get more, not anywhere near as much as you, uh, but still more so. Also, uh, maybe I did enjoy a little bit of being like the heel, the heel commentator. Oh, you know? really? I love that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I don't know because I have no idea what I was thinking back then. But I, I wonder if like maybe I was enjoying being the heel. It, it would be good, just good if you had stuff to back it up rather than uh, shit. <laughs> if you had some reasons why but definitely like all i really want i just wanted to be entertained and like even some of the stuff yeah. you're saying on it my response was so bluntly next so bluntly i don't care you know i was like yeah that's interesting i don't care <laughs> you know it, it was Jesus so like Christ. <laughs> i was so like closed off i was so closed off to it yeah 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 i just wanted to be entertained and I obviously, for some fucking reason, found Generation Terrorists entertaining. And then Gold Against the Soul less so, which is weird because it's a better album. But you scored, and then this remember, didn't you, ind- remember you scored it higher the first time round as well, Gold Against the Soul, when compared to Generation Terrorists. You've always preferred, oh, did Ge- I? You've always preferred Gold Against the Soul to Generation Terrorists, despite your more negative comments on it. That was it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't as long, because length probably yeah, falls yeah, apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, which one? Sorry, whereas- which one is the long one? Generation Terrorists. Generation Terrorists. Yeah, um, yeah that's long. Long. Oh, whereas, long, actually. It yeah, long. and whereas on this, because I wasn't, because back then it, I, I needed that grabbage and time, <laughs> needing time with the album. Grabbage. It didn't. Grabbage patch kids. Because it didn't, because this album isn't one that immediately goes, yeah. hey, listen to this bit of fun. Like, I was so like, oh no, this one's just a load of sludge. And then listen to it five or six more times total mm. and then recorded an episode about it. Yeah, it was a different vibe, I suppose, wasn't it? One of the most important albums that we've covered. Yeah. Yeah, great. But imagine <laughs> I'd done OK Computer after a couple of listens. Lucas is annoyed with himself. Yeah, I am. No, yeah. Honestly, listening to that episode did wind me up a lot. <laughs> you wait for Journal for Plague Lovers, mate. I found my... No, no, Journal for Plague Lovers. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. that shit. Even, I, no, even Steve, I agree no, with Steve, you. Steve, Steve, it doesn't matter, mate, because I won't listen to that episode. Sure. Um, <laughs> the... Yeah, it, uh, but also... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I do wonder if there was a little bit of like, that's my, that's my role. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be Johnny Negative. That's interesting. That is interesting. Because yeah. Also, we... now I, we have listeners. I want to make sure they like me, so I'm gonna give it a ten. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Of course, yeah. you got it. You because I want them to pay me yeah. money. Tens all round for this. Tens all round. Tens all round. I want them guys. to give us money for this episode, so I have to pretend I like it when actually I think it's a one. Steve, you must have. Steve, you must have gone back and listened in between recording yeah. last time and recording this time. Yeah, I did. I did. And but I would just put it on background wise or whatever, or I don't know. Right. Um it's background, he's in the bath. It's a fun image of you sitting having like a nice uh, relaxing bath with bubbles, a rubber duck and mausoleum playing. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering what song we're gonna go for. I was like, he's not gonna say intense humming vivo because I've said, said it already. that a minute I said ago. It already. It been, that'd be boring. That'd be so boring. Many. Yeah. It could have been, uh... <laughs> yeah, been I thought maybe archives of pain. It's gotta be one of the ones with a horrible title. It yeah. can't be like she is suffering. Yes. Yeah, it can't yes. be yes. For for the reason like I've Because that's a Coldplay song. It is. That's right. For, for the reason I've just I've yes. been in, trying to enjoy this album more this time around, I checked out the the US mix for the first time. Oh, put a pin in that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it later. Okay, 
Yeah, put a pin in that. Yeah, whereas I, and it almost makes me feel like I'm like I'm I'm like a, I'm like a year behind you in school, but like <laughs> this time I enjoyed listening to it and getting into the vibe of it. Yeah, he's been yeah, where I was. Actually, he's yeah. been kept back. In and here. actually, now now I'm not I'm I don't get into the vibe of it as much as you guys in the sense that I didn't like feel really blue after listening to this album a bunch like Adam did. Right, but. When we start going track by track, there's songs on it. Then I'm like, oh, this song's not grim enough. It's not really the vibe I'm after when I'm listening to my Holy oh, Bible. Wow, oh, wow. It's gone too far. It's gone, it's gone too far the other way. Revol um, is a bit too fun. Yeah. I, I checked out my last FM and, and I've only listened to this album. Like I've listened to bits and pieces of it, but I've only listened to this album in full twice since we recorded. Was one of them on the drive home as well? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would have got the train at that point. Remember, I was getting yeah, like, the train off. down. Was and, such a long day. And I was Did carrying, I was of, carrying all, all of the equipment and everything. <laughs> Absolutely God. insane. I, I, I drove Adam back to the station and I don't think we talked the whole no, journey. No, no, no. Yeah. Too tired. Too tired. Yeah. Um, I, and I've kind of fallen I, somewhere maybe halfway between you on this re-listen it, and, and it's that when you were talking about the context and stuff steve and the idea that you can let go of the context because we've done that right yeah that's what i was like i got very into the references and being like this is what the brady bill is and this is what hindley's crochet lectures means and this is what the quote is from i got very into that on the last episode and i could abandon all of that and so now i'm kind of on vibe you know, I'm I'm yeah. kind of on the the textural, the tonal stuff of it. That's what I picked just, up. This just time. say it, Adam. Just say it. What? What? You're all vibes these days. I'm all vibes <laughs> these days. I'm famously, famously <laughs> all vibes these days. Um, so I I enjoyed digging into bits and pieces that we we hadn't talked about before, like how I and 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 maybe maybe we had, maybe we have. I haven't listened to the episodes. You guys are maybe going to stop me and go, hey. You talked about this last time, but I'm, I read this time that James talked about never wanting to write a love song. That was like a rule that they had from the very first days of them being a band. Because what they thought, they thought everybody knew how it felt to be in love and how it felt to be heartbroken. But maybe some people didn't know what it felt like to hate. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had always kind of seen the Holy Bible as this big universal thing, but it's become very clear to me that it is very much people of their upbringing that make this kind of album. Like their experience growing up, the backdrop of the miners' strike, the conservative government's systematic campaign against the working class instilled a lot of hate in the members of the Manics, you know? And I can't think of another album that does hate as well as this one. Um, and it's not just the Manics hate, I don't think. They kind, of, they kind of dealt with their own hate on Generation Terrorists and God Against the Soul. It's other people's hate. It's, the concept of this album seems to be hate. It's yeah. like the hate of prejudice. It's the hate of oneself. It's, it's the concept of hate. Um, that word has lost... Every shred of me. it's going to come up a lot. Is the thing I, we might I as well don't... like rip off the band aid of it not sounding like a word anymore. It hate. doesn't sound like a word. Anymore. Hate, hate, hate. Um, and we've obviously <laughs> talked a lot about this uh, 
this album being somewhat of a dark album. Would 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 you agree that it's a dark album? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, good because that's obviously <laughs> that's its role. That's its purpose. Good. Well We've done, got... guys. That's right. The first two. The first two <laughs> albums are like. What are they? They're like. They're like. What colours are they? I don't know what's. I don't know what he's doing now. The know. first two albums are like. Red, red, white, and blue, and I don't mean that in an American sense. I just mean, I mean like in the Union Jack way, primary, streamers, primary colors. streamers, and lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one's sludge. Yeah, grey, white, and, and then the gray. next one's like a nice, nice blues and whites. Sure, because of the album cover. Because the album covers, yeah. Fuck. That's what I've got, yeah. Fuck. yeah, you literally, yeah, that's fine. Uh, on the Holy Bible, there's obviously there's self harm, there's abuse, there's genocide, there's murder, there's rape, there's racial prejudice, there's dystopia, there's capital punishment, and all of those things. And I consider those things to be quite dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are quite dark things. Yeah. Um, and those are also dark things that come up on a whole host of albums and a whole host of albums from the nineties. Some of which. Uh, I don't necessarily like. So why am I into it? So here, like, is is, is what is what, the kind of question? Any examples I, of ones that it is on, but you don't like? Uh, not not that I don't like, but ones that I certainly don't hold in such high regard as this one. I suppose I think is Spiral Downward the same year as Downward, this one. Sp- Downward Spiral by Nin was what, the same. Yeah, there's that, like the three. The, it's kind of like a three, like a Holy Trinity thing, isn't there? Of, of all around the same time, there was In Utero, the Holy yeah. Bible, and Downward Spiral. Yeah, we're all kind of saying similar stuff about humanity, and are all kind of considered of the same cloth in terms of just bleak. And in utero, interestingly, because that was an album I would have listened to not at the time, but when I was you know sixteen or whatever. Uh, and it's my favourite Nirvana album, I think. Maybe I don't know. I haven't listened back to them all in a while. Uh, the I've, I had no aversions to the grimness. That I had the first time I listened to Holy Bible. I think that's probably because I came into Nirv- I. That's what I expect of Nirvana. Right. Okay. Yeah, I feel you. Their yeah, lead yeah. singer was a heroin addict who killed himself and was enormously depressed. I came into Manix expecting, as we established, lasers and yes, of course, yes, yes, yes. yes. And course. then I suddenly went, "Oh no, cool! They're a glam rock band." And then this came along, and I was like, "Oh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. This isn't for me." Um. <laughs> What what feels different for the Holy Bible is 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 one how dense it is. I suppose it is like packed with stuff, and this is going to be our second go round in it, and we're still not going to touch on everything that is contained in the Holy Bible and the numerous ways you can read all of the things that are contained in the Holy Bible. Uh, it's packed with stuff, all of it bad. Uh, two, there is like no hope on this album. Like, mm-hmm. not even a fucking glimmer of, like, the world is awful, but if we work together, we can get out of this. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just bleak with very little redemption to be found. Um, and three, and I genuinely think this is what makes it so dark and so bleak, is that it's really, it's really apathetic uh, in its bleakness. Um, the Manics are not necessarily saying that all of the things contained on the album are bad. They're, they're not saying that they're good. They are just pointing them out as things that exist, yeah. Yeah. As, as things that are true, and that's very scary, I think. We mm. talked about it, didn't we? Because there was a couple of songs where we said, like, Richie isn't necessarily giving this as 
as negative a slant as you would expect. Yeah. And you said there was one song, I can't remember which one it was, where, where, uh, it's one of the Holocaust ones, where JDB literally said, like, sent it back and was like, be more, be more clear in your views here. That would be the intense you, humming of evil. Yeah. You, ca- you can't, you can't toe the line on this one. So I listened to those episodes as well, and, and that, that part there, uh, when we were talking about that, I was driving over the bridge to Wales, which is very strange. Oh, that's interesting. Did you yeah. do that on purpose? Did you like time it? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but I know what you mean, Adam. Everything is very overt, and these are things. These are just these are just awful things. Yep. Whereas something like the Downward Spiral, it's a concept album of a guy's downward spiral, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's very poetic, and it's very, um, you know, there's probably interpretive. I, I don't know it that well, to be fair. In language in it that is like metaphors and all sorts of things like that whereas this is like holocaust there's there's no there's no like moral judgment almost like the songs about the holocaust are more or less just descriptions of the atrocities more than they yeah. are like moral tales mm. the, the self-harm stuff is written from the perspective of the harmer the abuse stuff is written from the perspective of the abused it puts the listener in those positions but it doesn't offer any redemption it doesn't offer a safe way out they point out moral contradictions without offering routes towards solving them. It, it, it's an album that posits we are absolutely fucked, and then it just leaves you with it. It's going, just think about that. Just have a little think about that, yeah. how irrevocably fucked we all are. Okay, yeah, but what do we do about it? Don't know, mate. Don't, 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 I've, got, I've got nothing <laughs> for you. I have no idea. Uh, which is why, ultimately, I find it kind of an unpleasant experience. But also, they wanted it to be uh, an unpleasant experience. So, 10 out of 10, nailed it. Uh, absolutely perfect, unpleasant experience. Thank you very much. That's, that's lovely. <laughs> Great. Good. <laughs> well, you used a really good metaphor Check, on the first please. episode where you said, uh, Shinless List is not a film that anyone, you couldn't really say you like it. Well, you could. You, know, you, you can't say, say you, you like enjoy it. it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's good. Yeah, and yeah you can yeah. say that you would want to watch it. I had I had a conversation with Nick Cave once in a coffee shop, right? And of course a, you did. Yeah, because it's bright. Uh, uh, a, a couple of days before, I had seen the documentary about him that was about hit the record that he made in the immediate aftermath of his son dying. And I said, "Oh, I saw your documentary last night." And he went, "Ah, oh, did you enjoy it?" And I went, "Not really." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I had to be like, no, 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 I didn't mean. I I liked it. I thought it was really good, but I yeah. didn't. It was a bit heavy, you know. And then, of course, obviously, he knows because it's his son that died. So he went, uh, yeah, it's a bit like that, isn't it? So I just oh. felt oh. mortified. I felt yeah. so bad. Oh um, God, <laughs> I've had better interactions with him since, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> How many interactions have you had with Nick Cave? Uh, we, when I lived in Kemptown, we used to share a a, a cafe. A bed. Like he, 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 yeah, well, I wish. Uh, he, he, he used to just get coffee wherever I got coffee. I'd see him like, I don't know, once every couple of weeks. We'd have a chat. It, I almost wish I hadn't because it's sort of, it, it rounds the edges off of the whole Prince of Darkness thing when yeah. he's wearing a cardigan and getting a pano raisin. You're like, ah, you're not quite as goth as I thought you were. So, like, it got to the, it got to the point with him where, where he would know, he wouldn't go, oh, as another fan wants to say hello. He would recognize that you are that person he's had a number of conversations with. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we'd just nod and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't every time think, oh, it's another new fan. And you would, oh, yeah, she's spoken. <laughs> I kept having, it's like uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I kept having goes at a new interaction yeah. that would please yeah. him in some way. With I went with Edge of Tomorrow instead of Groundhog Day, isn't it? 
That's just obviously it's where Because you've recently yeah. covered it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why. Because it's cruise. And it's a better film. What, than Groundhog Day? Fight me. Uh, do you know what? I think I rate them equally. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, I was struck this time by the idea that there are four strands of songs, which I've stolen from the writer Rianne E. Jones, who's a critic and historian who's written a great essay on this uh, on this album, t- putting it into its cultural and historical context. Um, but it is, it's so dense, but everything is so, like, weaved into one another. And there are kind of, like, four main themes, which is the human body and self-worth, and that's, yes, she is suffering and four stone seven pounds. There's humans inflicting horrors on other humans, which is of walking abortion, archives of pain, mausoleum, and the intense humming of evil. Mm-hmm. There's youth and growing up, and that's faster. This is yesterday and die in the summertime. And then there's social morality, which is if white America, revol, and PCP. And I think, I think we've all we haven't quite picked something from every single category, but we will talk about another one from a from from the other category as well. Um, I find it interesting how they take those horrors, you know, he, the, the horrors humans inflict on other humans, like the Holocaust, genocide, the mass killings, the serial killers, the capital punishment, and they wrap that up into explorations of the moral fabric of society, what it says, what, what that means about, you know, to be human. Uh, and they wrap that into having a youth and growing up in a world like this. And then ultimately looking at yourself in the mirror and either hating or refusing uh, to accept what you see there. I, I, I appreciated that uh, much more this time around, because I got so into the references last time, I was like, no, this is just a scatter shot. we're taking on everything kind of album. Yeah. But it's not actually. It's actually, it's, it's remarkably much more cohesive in theme than I think I gave it credit for the first time around. Um, one of the best things about the album for me is that all of that uncomfortable, dark subject matter exists in very dark and uncomfortable songs, right? No, then hence something of evil is like a bop, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, there's songs that absolutely fuck on this. Like, Festival I, banger. I, I w- <laughs> <laughs> Hands in the air. Uh, you can just hear everyone clapping going, yeah. You can. It's like We Will Rock You, really, isn't it? It's like a slow We Will Rock evil. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I came at it just purely from a musical angle, like in terms of this time. In t- yeah, it, it sounds awful, some of it. Some of it, it sounds dark. But there is songs that are upbeat sounding and it it it's it fucks. Like, a lot of it does. Uh, and that's how I felt about this album this time round. Like, there's all of that stuff underneath. You know, like in... Uh, um, Ghostbusters 2 when they've got the river of slime running under the city yeah, and it's making everyone hate each other Yeah, that's how I felt this time round okay right? yeah yeah okay but but I'm in the Statue of Liberty uh, walking around <laughs> on top of it <laughs> this time d- round you've lost yeah? me you've lost me <laughs> no, um, same, didn't write this down can you tell um, uh, I have to t- I'm going to take slight issue with the phrase upbeat songs I don't think hmm. there's a single upbeat song on the album i i think that i think there's songs that tempo. are yeah there's fast songs for sure but it's even high those, energy songs it's high energy like, even songs like, yeah, yeah even but like, they're dark like P- no but like pcp melodically that, that's the one you that's, sing that about something different one. change the lyrics what oh you could make it a chanting song 
Andrew didn't hear me do that because he's just taking off his jumper there. And now he's put the headphones back on. Okay. <laughs> Hoping you'd vamp for a bit longer. No. Uh, yeah, and I would think, like, uh, what's the other one that's a bit like that? Revo. It's a bit sort of... Yeah, Revo, same sort of thing. You it's could got change a sha hasn't it? It's yeah. got a sha-na-na-na. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe those are upbeat. But that's two out of 13, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And faster. I don't see that as upbeat at all. But also, you must be talking just in terms of, like, the sound of it, right? Just the sonics. Yeah, yeah I think that's what Steve's yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. W- which is, you know, that's what I'm trying to say, is that this time around, like, I just, I focused on the the heaviness of it and stuff like that, you know, rather than, like, oh, it's... Uh, when you say heaviness, really though, you mean musically, mean. you don't mean... Yes. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, yeah. Wow, heavy, well, this is heavy. It's heavy in two ways. It's all, it's all, even those upbeat ones like Revo, it still sounds grimy and it yeah, still sounds underproduced. And the, and, and the notes used in a lot of it make it dark. Yeah. And you can't it's, get away from it. It's, it's underproduced at the best of times and like punishing at and the yet, worst of times. So many of the choruses you can sing along to. Well, that, that's the manics, right? Exactly, that's what you, I'm trying to get at. You can't yeah. stop James Dean Bradfield from sticking a fucking chorus in there. You can't stop him, and we've um, tried. Although, although sometimes, sometimes he's too he, strong. He's too hard. <laughs> he's too, really he's low centre of gravity. Um, it's it's very goth. It's very spiky. I found it quite unpredictable. Like the Manics up to this point have been pretty reliably like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, 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 chorus. Right? Don't bore us. Get chorus. Exactly. Get chorus. Qu- quoting Tom York there. Um, there are stranger structures here, right? There's like just sections that are like just popped onto the end of songs, songs of two halves, a song that is almost a tone piece, which isn't really something that you can say a lot about, you know, the Manics music. They are a pop band, but they sound less pop here than than ever before. Yeah, it's quite funny to put the intense something of evil next to Show me the wonder. I don't know. Show me the wonder. Show great, me the great, example. great, yeah, yeah, absolutely good. great. Yeah, pick. smash that one out the park, Adam. Well done. Um, and I, I think the, I think the other thing that is maybe dragging down my, uh, my agreeing with you on on it being upbeat is that it's surrounded by so much stuff that isn't upbeat, obviously, and 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 the the album has such a remarkably coherent tone. It does. Like it's all that vibe. I f- I find it absolutely fucking exhausting. This album, it is. I I need to just go back. When I say upbeat, I mean sing along choruses, and I mean fast, and I mean you know I'm no, not going into this going. Tell you what, guys, I feel great about myself after listening to that. <laughs> but, but also, if I you like did, the that's lines fine. about Hitler and Mussolini. Yummy. I, I feel great. I feel great about myself because none of those things are happening to me. Right, mm. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. But I mean, it's happening to all of us. I think a lot of the songs are pointing out that just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening to you. you know no, I mean? that's the vibe. Apathetic, Adam. Yeah, the well, just yeah, forget about then, it. But then forget so much, about it. So much of doesn't the album you're just as guilty, right? Right. So, 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 so much of the album is about uh, you know whether apathy is the correct uh, thing thing to feel. Um, but you do have to dig. I think that's. I think a lot of people would come away with the idea of like, hey, it's a, it's like a rock album. It's like just a normal kind of rock album because you have to dig. I think to yeah. truly understand it, and 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 neither way is strictly 
better. But if you've just heard it with indecipherable lyrics left indecipherable, you're going to have a much different experience uh, when when compared to reading the lyrics uh, along with it, you know? Well, this is kind of what I was going to ask is, uh, well, first of all, yeah, you're right. Because now, even now I've, you know, done this album in depth with you, even though I don't remember every line, I know enough that I know what the songs are about and I pick out yeah. lines and I know the vibe, that sort of thing, which helps because, yes, this album is, you know, got a vibe. Um, but the people that were just kind of normies, right? I know they weren't mainstream big yet at this point. They weren't Tolerate and Designed for Life yet. Mm. But they'd had a, a, a level of success. And not all of those people will have been, you know, the diehard Mannix fans, Featherboas, all that. Right. Some of the people would have just been normal people and they go to the gig and they go, I like these songs. Yep. What did those people think of the Holy Bible? Did they just go, yeah, this has got a good rock song. I like Faster. Well, or even, were they... even some of the dyed-in-the-wool Mannix fans were put off by the Holy Bible. Because it is a course correction, isn't it? It's, it's a different vibe. Mm. Well, yes, yeah, so that's what I mean. Even if you don't dig into the, in, right into the lyrics, it still gives off that grimdark vibe. It does, but I think, I think, I think the, point, the point you were maybe dancing around there is like, if you were a casual fan and you weren't going to read the lyrics along with the song, did you get what the Holy Bible was about if you just heard it on the radio? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not, but I think what you've got to remember is this this album's coming up to being 30 years old, right? I think mm-hmm. it's 30 years old next year. And the experience of listening to music has drastically changed. Uh, I think 1994, we're only a few years like post-CD uh, being the primary format of music. You know, vinyl held on for ages and ages and ages, and we didn't have the internet, right? Um, and... The experience. I don't even think in '94 CDs are the main yet. I think they were. Yeah, I think it was like You're 1990, skipping over cassettes. 1992 is when CDs started to outsell any other, um, and any other format of music. It's a lot earlier than I would have expected. Cassettes were never the the main thing though. You wouldn't go out and get the cassette. You'd either get the vinyl. You could get it on cassette for your Walkman as well as would probably be like a thing. But there wasn't like you know there wasn't the primary. It went vinyl CDs. Because I, in 1992, was only three years old. And yet, when I first started getting my own music, I would do so on cassette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they were often cheaper, is the thing. Um, so, so, so that might so my, You say my parents were stingy? Yeah, pretty much. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying they were stingy and poor. They were both. Um, mm. But the experience of listening to an album very much was... You put something on the record player and you can't just leave it to go because one, like you can't take it with you. You're not doing other things while it's on, really. The thing you're doing is you're listening to the album and you've got to remain there because halfway through the album, you've got to turn it over. Yeah. You know, it was a very different experience of listening to the album. So what people would do is they would sit down, they'd listen to the album and they'd, they'd read the printed lyrics. Um, one of my favorite bands, R.E.M., one of the most remarkable things about their first few albums is that they refused to print the lyrics. Now people probably couldn't give a toss, but that was a remarkable thing: is that they didn't supply lyrics with their music. So if you were going to sit down and listen to an album, more often than not, people would actually like pay much more attention than they do now. And I think the Holy Bible kind of exists in that that realm. They're expecting a level of engagement beyond 
what's on the radio, I think. Interesting to then consider Jennifer Play Clubs. Speak on that. Well, by which point music listening habits have changed, because when what year did that come out? 2009. So fully into... Spotify is there, and if yeah, yeah. not, MP3 downloads, iTunes yeah, yeah. and such. So passive listening. Mm-hmm. And yet that is an album very similar to this in that you, you know, there is a... I mean, like, don't, don't get me wrong. Pa- pa- passive listening has always like existed. Not everybody. Well, it's the radio, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah radio. exactly. Um, but the Manics are a band. Don't really give a fuck about the trends. Uh, like mm. <laughs> this album doesn't sound like a lot of the stuff that was released in 1994. You know, uh, the the previous two albums didn't sound a lot like albums that like like the music that was being released in in 1992 and 1993. Um, and that's the same for Radiohead, who we're doing at the moment, right? You could argue the albums, the, like the, the concept of an album, is kind of dead. Like mm. we saw with Billie Eilish, a lot of those albums, although some of them do have a coherent and consistent vibe, they're kind of more of a collection of singles than than anything else. With 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 how much of the album you hear before it comes out, I think we said that with Muse as well. There was a Muse album, you'd heard seven of the songs before the twelve track album came out. Something you know? like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Radiohead are very much like, no, we do albums. We, we are an album band, even though that's unfashionable. You know, people stick to their artistic guns a lot of the time, and, and usually those are kind of like my favourite artists. And I think the Manics do that, and the, that's what the Manics were doing here. You know, they, they should have doubled down into something a bit more popular, and they doubled down instead into uh, the literal mouth of hell uh, for their, for their <laughs> third album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the advert... Uh, for, for the Holy Bible that was put in magazines and newspapers was every single word that's on the album. It was yep. all of the lyrics on one, like, A4 page, which is a demented thing to do. Because there's like, so many lyrics as well. Yeah. So many lyrics. Compare, again, like, we, we and, and, you know, obviously when Nikki becomes the lyricist, that changes. Uh, right. Which we can now talk about, because we know. Yeah. Um, and we all know. Now we know. We all Always know. the same now we know. We've, we've seen it all. Um, <laughs> all catchphrases from like yeah. mid-2000s British comedy. Aha! <laughs> yeah. Um, the, there's just so many. Because like, I, I brought up, you know, genius lyrics whilst I was doing my notes again. And it's just a big page. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them. It's a lot of stuff. Stuff stuff we didn't touch on last time. Stuff we're not going to touch on this time. Um Third time, third time round. Third, third time, time round, we'll, we'll, we'll go into We'll be every, definitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a line by line. Adam um, did that. Adam literally did line by line. That's the thing. On some of the yeah, stuff. He skipped some. He skipped a few. But uh, also, what you've got to remember is that some of those lines have two interpretations, and I just went with my preferred one. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Sure. So I, maybe I only did 50%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do the other half. <laughs> um, it's called the Holy Bible. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. Why? Yeah, I don't think we talked about that last time. Like, why, why? it's called the Holy Bible. Um, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's quite... Uh, You're going to have to pull it apart, evocative, I guess. It? Yeah. It, to, to call your album the Holy Bible is, is ballsy. For it to be an album that is uh, full of genocide and... Uh, murder and mental illness and self-harm and to have that encapsulated by calling it the same thing as what other people would call like the book of truth or the word of God 
uh, is absolute uh, edgelord uh, shithousery kind of stuff. I think I think it's great. It's so funny to me. This is called the Holy Bible, and it's yeah. all like it opens on a song about forced prostitution. That is top tier bits from the Manics. I think if Richie had stuck around, do you think maybe the next the next album would be called the Quran, and then the next album well, will be called yeah, they'd have done them all. I don't know any other religious texts but then uh, is is the quran but we not, know that's not oh this is going to be i know because he was involved and everything must go and we no 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 no, no 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 i was actually going to say and i don't know if this is offensive or not but is 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 the quran not a bible no. i don't know what the... right and the torah is a bible it's just that because is of a bible the... is a bible a adjective it's a holy book, right? Isn't it? It's a holy I, I, book, but I think the Bible is. Well, that's the, the thing, name but I, I think that's of... because of the dominance of uh, Judeo-Christian culture. Is that that one is the Bible, and all yeah. other ones can get fucked. It's like you know how I mean? you know there's lots of books that are sci-fi, but only one of them is called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Yeah. So these they're all they're all they're all the genre of religious text, but this one is called the Holy Bible. That's the title. Yeah. No, not really the point I was going for. Because then you'd have to go like, oh, what genre of book of that? Uh, what genre of book is that? Oh, it's do do androids dream of electric sheep? No, because I don't think you would call uh, <laughs> the Torah like a, a, Bible. a Bible. I don't think you'd call it a Bible. All right. Well, it's time for our sister show. Someone write in. It, it's time for our sister show. What is a Bible? Also, can I, can, can I suggest, if they'd not gone with this title, can I suggest an alternative? Go on. The World According to Richie Edwards. And on the front, he's shrugging. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a collection of religious texts or scriptures that are held to be sacred in Christianity, Judaism, Samaritanism, and many other religions. Right. Uh, so yeah, loose, so, loose. Yeah, loose. Uh, the Torah is indeed a Bible. Um, Samaritanism is its own religion. I didn't know. That. Who knows? Was there a was there a backlash from Christian groups about and protests about this album? Seems the sort of thing that maybe it wasn't mainstream enough. You know, like when yeah, people, I mean, uh, you, had a go at you know the the um, life of Brian and stuff. You know, like well, that was Monty Python, one of the most influential, world famous comedy groups of all time. I, I I heard a bit of the old episode, and you asked if people in America were offended by if white America told the truth for the first time. And my answer is pretty much going to be the same answer. This one, Steve, is like they, they might have done if they'd heard yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, that, I pretty... think that's the thing. I guess like uh, it would be it would upset American Christians, wouldn't it? Because they're loud. They are loud. Yeah. yeah. Hello to oh, any American so Christians that just, we've got in the discourse. Just turn the volume down, guys. <laughs> so I was in a restaurant Saturday night, and, and it was it. I cannot imagine how a person could be as loud as this woman was being and not be self-aware. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a posh restaurant as well, and I don't get how she wasn't aware. How posh? What was it? Miller and Carter. Nah, it was a bougie. Bougie. I had a seven course taster menu. It's very good. Oh, this was your little tasty menu. Oh, the light. You know, now we've got the Patreon. We can afford to do things like this. Meeting Jeff Goldblum in a spa. You seven know what? We've still meals. never talked about that. We've still never talked about it on the podcast. And we never will. And we never will. We never will. We never also, will. friend of the podcast went to the same. Uh, friend of the podcast, Pete Cook, went to the same spa hotel recently. Saw Jeff. Really? He's still there. Yeah, I jokingly was like, oh, you might see Jeff. Yeah, he did. 
Yeah, well, I guess he. I guess he's filming for a long time. Yeah, he was staying there for three months. Wow. And, and what if anyone wants to know where you can find yeah. Jeff Goldblum, give me a message and I'll tell you what hotel he's staying at. Oh, amazing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to go there. Can you book like just breakfast or something? I might do that. Uh, sh- should, we, should we start with the album? Yes. Yes. Um, unfortunately, none of us picked yes. So yeah, but we, we, we always listen to the first song. All right, song, we'll do we? the first song. We'll oh, do the first yeah, song. Yeah, okay. All right. You can buy her. You can buy her. This one's here. This one's here. This one's here. This one's here. So we do we do like opening tracks because they are typically very important for the album, uh, and it also gives us a little freebie. I think if we're always going to play the first track, we can pick oh, from the rest yeah. of the album, maybe. Um, if you want, if you if want, you want. It, it sets it sets it sets a stall, doesn't it? Sets a yeah. tone, sets, sets a vibe. It. Yeah, huh? it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a, a bit weird. It's a bit weird. It's really. It's, it's 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 bad. How much I've had the line in my head all week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tear enough. Tie his hair in bunches. Fucking call him Rita if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. have been singing it in my house. Driving. Da- yeah, I've been singing my heart out into the car about tearing off cocks. Just singing, yeah. singing out loud about co- because of this song or huh? <laughs> because of oh, this what song are we talking or- about? Oh no! We're we're talking about the first song from the Holy Bible, and then you ah. shared a memory that you have of something yeah, you do every day. Yeah. Uh, every, that's day. Fine. So um, every day, every day, you have to find so many willing participants. <laughs> Willy participants. Yeah, I was thinking uh, that, but I just it's didn't say it. Spiky, but it's also yeah. quite sparse. The vocals are indecipherable. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, you say it's spiky. Can I can I throw out an alternative that I yeah. put in my notes? Oh, daggery. Oh, the same. guitar oh, tone is the guitar tone is daggery. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Uh, the lyrics are dense. It's an odd time signature, so it's quite unsettling. But it, it has well, a I know very it's four four then three four then two bars of four four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It shifts. It shifts between three and four. Mm. Um, Do you make that note for every song? Yeah, but you always know wrote... the time signature so quickly off the top of your head. It's, it makes wrote... me think. You, do you do you always make a note of them? Yeah, I write four four, and then that that covers most of them. <laughs> if there's a particularly weird one, then I'll write it down because this instantly yeah. makes you on edge from that, from the fact yeah, that yeah. it doesn't quite resolve. What one of the bars is too short, isn't it? Yeah, it, the, the next one starts too early. Um, but it has a very melodic chorus, and that's why you're singing that stuff. Yeah, because it's such a catchy chorus. Because it's James Dean Bradfield, whose voice on this album is excellent and also insane. Yeah, um, 
it, it's such a particular... He's never sounded like this before or after, I don't think. And I, that's got to be down to the production, right? It's quite tinny and it's quite thin and it's quite uh Told you, it sounds like raspy. it sounds elect- electronically wrong. It's there are lots of the- stuff on this album that is electronically wrong and we'll get to it on one of my picks. The, there's, a he- there's heavy flange on a lot of his vocals throughout the whole album right heavy flange all over everything on this album yeah, yeah they just yeah. they just put yeah. everything before they mastered the whole album and they were cool we're happy we're just gonna do one more pass and they just put the whole <laughs> mix down through a flange yeah <laughs> absolutely including um, the drums flange in the face i mean the, 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 the you can get so wrapped up in the and i, th- I think steve this is what you were kind of kind of uh saying you can get so wrapped up in oh, Richie's lyrics and Richie's state of mind and the context and the references and it's grim and it's dark that you just kind of forget about the sound of the album mm-hmm. a little bit, right? And James Dean Bradford is, is kind of the chief musician here in a lot of ways. And he is doing something completely different uh, to anything that they've done before. Um, he, he recorded all the demos while he was staying in his parents' house after his fiance dumped him. Um, where he had all of his old post-punk records. And, and post-punk, we were just saying this, actually, post-punk was very out of fashion, so it's exactly the kind of thing that the Manics would gravitate to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, we were talking about how they've never really been trendy. You know, they're, they're sticking to their own artistic principles and nothing else. Post-punk had kind of died out by, like, mid-'80s. Um, but it also makes this album very ahead of their time because post-punk and iterations of post-punk are very much the thing right now right mm-hmm. like post-punk is the hot genre uh post-punk, at the moment it's so hot right now exactly I- I- examples outside of idols uh wet leg are quite oh, yeah, i love wet leg do you <laughs> i thought i genuinely <laughs> thought of all of them that was going to be the one that would break through because Black you'd have probably heard of uh chaise long you, you have... i've got one on my sofa but... you've got one on You've the got sofa. one on your sofa like yeah. a double decker sofa. Yeah, sort of you can situation. have a sofa with a chaise. Oh, we're attached end. on the end of it. I see. Yeah. Okay. You, you don't know it. Hey, you over there. Is it that one? Is that what? That's that butter. One? My, butter your muffin. What that one? But that's the song. Shows long, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Called butter yeah, yeah. my muffin. Doesn't matter. No, it's not called butter <laughs> my muffin. It's Is it called not? Shays long. Is it? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Guys, it doesn't matter. I don't know it. Have you not heard that song, though? Well, you, all I heard was Hey You, and then you started arguing about the name Is of the song. Is your hey, muffin right. buttered? Yeah, yeah. Would you like long. us to assign someone to butter your muffin? You haven't I've heard have, that on TikTok. Yeah. That doesn't sound anything like Idols. How is that and Idols the same thing? <laughs> they're not the same thing. They're not the same they're band, two different either. acts in, in yeah. the same They're the same genre, genre so yeah. it must be the same thing. The One same. of them's a novelty act, what? and the other one's, like, <laughs> angry punk music. <laughs> You are very close with Novelty Act. That's how I feel about them as well. Steve, you were going to say Black Country New Road. Yes. Um, yeah, I, they're, they're verging on post-punk, although they've kind of uh, veered into like, their own thing. Black Midi. Black, yeah. I don't know why we're doing this. It's just a list uh, of musicians that, that Lucas hasn't heard of. Yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs> but the Holy Bible would be very on-trend uh, right now. Um, Let's try and get a song of it. Let's try and get one song from the Holy Bible, like becoming a big TikTok sound. Oh, I thought you were going to say let's start a post-punk band because I was just about to say I'll open my folder that's full of like post-punk riff sketches that I do once a week. Just to I'll get send them, them out over. Of my Adam, I'll How do you sketch a riff? Uh, you just kind of you don't put a click track on. You just kind of do it on like with no effect. Oh, you, you mean a folder on your computer? You don't mean a piece of paper? 
No, I wasn't going to get my sketchbook out, out and show you the, the sketch tablature of riffs that I've come up <laughs> Oh, no, 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 not, not tab. No, you're better than that. You're better than that. Sheet music. I can't do sheet music. Absolutely not. I've got no you idea. can't do shit music. To do, to do <laughs> funky <Sorry>. riffs. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> um, this album is James's absolute... It feels weird just calling him James. Uh, J- JDB. It's his mm-hmm. finest moment in terms of sonically interpreting the lyrics. I think. Well, and this is the thing, right? When we did the B-sides, I could, in my plums, mm. sense a Holy Bible song. Yeah, yeah. Because there is a, there is a lyrical mel- melody that he defaults to as a style yeah. when he's doing a Holy Bible song and a Plague Lovers song, because it's similar. Hand in hand, yeah. And also musically, they do it. There is a vibe as well. Yeah. They go, this is that mode. Which later in their career, they like to do the opposite of that. They have this big soaring song with strings or whatever, and then it's about fascism, but it's it's hidden. It's mm. hidden in there. Whereas but then there's is... the one, there's the one song on. Is it everything must go? That sounds like an older song, and I was like, oh, it's interesting because they've almost defaulted back into that mode for that one song. I think you're thinking of interiors, maybe. Interiors, yeah. And that yeah. sounds a bit more, like, Holy melodically, yeah. a bit more in the Holy Bible end of the spectrum. Yeah, 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 you're right. Um, I just, like, God knows how he received these pages of lyrics from Richie and Nicky and went, yeah, I know, yeah, I know what to do with that. Here I go. Off, off we yeah, go. Watch me pop. go. Um, for <laughs> this going. one, he did say, uh, there, there were so many twists and turns in the lyrics that I knew the music had to do the same, which is why the, the, like, the verse shifts between 4-4 four, four and 3-4. Um, sets the tone, sets the tone thematically because it's about a human body being used. Uh, it's about prostitution, both literally and metaphorically. And I think it draws a parallel between selling your body and selling your soul, which is kind of the crux of the whole album, isn't it? Yes, but also no, because we kind of covered the fact that there's, there isn't just one sort of overall theme of this album. There's a few. I wouldn't go as far as to say there is one, you know? Okay. But there, I, th- I think the, the crux of something and the overarching theme of something is probably different but i think i'm i'm actually not as convinced by that as i was saying it it's it's it sets up the album you're like okay well the, we're like we're in for some stuff this is gonna yeah, be it's gonna, gonna be some things some stuff it's gonna be some things and stuff. Some stuff yeah i also think if there was to be one crux or overriding theme for this album i would just call it humanity's wrongs yeah 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 which is why it's the, the bonus track is called steve murphy Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about Steve. That's yeah. weird, isn't it? it is um, do you consider yourself to be one of humanity's wrongs? Not today, <laughs> but you never know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Uh, Stick it on the blackboard. The second track is one that we have actually picked, uh, and I didn't pick it, and Steve didn't pick it, no, which means it must have been Lucas that picked it. All right. It's man. called. If white America told the truth for one day, its world would fall apart, all one word. With an annoying apostrophe. Yeah. And a really long sound clip intro as well. 
Yeah. Really long. And I'm going to talk over it. I'm going to do that thing where people, radio DJs, talk right up to the post. I'm going to hit the... No, I'm not going to hit the vocal. I'm just going to hit the actual... Uh, I'm going to hit the actual song. And I'm going to stop talking more or less uh, where the song does. No, no, you fucked it. There goes his audition. That was it. <laughs> kind of made my point one song early uh in terms of what my notes actually said for this song but this one I, the one of the main reasons i picked it was that it so encapsulates that sound that that the holy bible sound that okay. is so recognizable that like the guitar uh sort of the, the tone of the guitar the vocal melodies it's so one of those songs that i could have spotted on a b-side from a mile from a mile away where we did them I think I think it's he I think he often resolves melodies low. He doesn't go up. He'll always go down or often go down. So like huh. the guitar bit goes dun 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 dun. So it goes down. Okay. I mean, no, but but I'm I'm dun 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 dun. It goes lower. <laughs> and then the vocals like. It's down. It's always a down. I mean, yeah, it does when you added an extra note like you just did then. That's how it goes. And then you went, I mean, I like it. I make you can make it sound like anything. It ends on a down note as well as if the last note goes, No, because he goes, Nicaragua. It's going to say that one ends up. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's something. Someone more musically inclined can tell me what it is. But there's a thing. The way the melodies resolve on the Holy Bible is very distinct. And I feel like this song is textbook that. Okay. So you're talking like vocal delivery. Because I, I was going to cut in and, and say and, like... And, and, and guitar riffs. That's interesting. I was going to say if if like... I almost thought that you'd you'd uh, started your notes for a different song because you've also picked the next one. And if I was going to pick a song that, if someone said, "What does the Holy Bible sound like?" Pick one song. I'd pick a walking abortion. Well, I mean, we'll get to that as well. But the okay, yeah. walking abortion <laughs> is more lyric stuff. Okay, um, that's that's a much more disgusting song than if oh, I'm so much as more well. disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, um, the lyrical side of this is men- demented. Oh, it's demented. Because insane. if you take away the fact that he fairly inaudibly goes, conservatives say they're just shouting racist slant, like yeah, racist chants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And Steve didn't even notice it the first time round. I remember he, that, yeah. When uh, we yeah, pointed yeah. it out, he went, oh, do they do that? So yeah, yeah. it's not even that noticeable because Steve was covering the album and didn't spot it. So imagine just hearing that. You're going to have a different experience if you read the lyrics to th- if you're not. Because the thing is, is like they're one of the few lyrics that are like crystal clear as well. Yeah. Like yeah. if on, f- on first listen, you're going to hear those lyrics. Imagine I was listening to this in my office and then my AirPods ran out of battery just before. <laughs> just for that bit. And then suddenly, just, <laughs> just there suddenly. ain't no black <laughs> in the U. Like, that would be sorry? De- what, what the, the fuck? fuck are you listening to? If you hear no, that. No, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's ironic. ironic. You don't understand. It's an irony thing. You've really got to dig into the whole album to appreciate <laughs> yeah, what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> listen to my podcast. Yeah. I don't think I, say that I, don't think I want to listen to your podcast. I say that every yeah, day. Yeah, really don't listen to Lucas's <laughs> podcast. It's all, um, if it's all that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's like that. There's the fact that like they're so fuck you with lyrics. Yeah. Because they're literally shouting racist rhetoric in a song. Yeah, yeah, they are. You've with a, with really... almost like just put an asterisk next to it saying like, Scribs. Yeah, yeah. Like, you've, not really. You've, you've <laughs> got to be really up on Scribs. what they're trying to say, right? I haven't yeah. heard that in a while. Which is, which um, is race relations and societal morality uh, still as well. Still in it? In it. The, the lyrics, vital stats, how white was his skin, unimportant, just another inner city drive-by thing is, yeah, uh, yeah very. One uh, of my notes just relevant. says the name George Floyd. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I, like occurred to me as well. Is like that nothing has nothing has, has changed, and 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 obviously because of the title and because a lot of the lyrics specifically call out the U.S. and like yes. the Clinton administration and the Brady Bill is mentioned at the end. And if you want all, is the that context, what you're saying? Fuck the Brady Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear fuck the Daily Mail, but that's also fine. I think. Well, I think what you know, as you said on the episode, you said it's about America in it, but that that there, there, there is. Also, like, you know, an, an ironic reference to their to there being no black in the Union Jack, you know, that like that racist rhetoric we were talking about. And despite this being quite a US specific thing, like this song is quite US specific, but the album as a whole is quite European, right? I, I think it's a very European album. You do, well, you do about, know what it wait, means. If you're talking about like like the Holocaust that happened in Europe. It's obsessed with a European history. Like so much of it is like uh, Nazi and Soviet era stuff and Cold War stuff, and it's obsessed with European history and the scars that that history leaves on on the landscape. And and Richie studied political history at university, so no wonder all of that stuff is like all over the stuff that he's writing about at the moment. Uh, what was interesting is 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 that for such a US focused lyric, a lot of the times, James Dean Bradfield told uh, an interviewer that the Holy Bible. Uh, on the whole, was inspired in part by the resurgence of right-wing tendencies in Europe, with uh, like Jean-Marie Le Pen gaining political traction in France and the rise of the BNP in the UK. Um, and he it's pointed a good out thing it's that not the, anymore. well, th- this is the thing. Like the thing that he said was uh, the Second World War wasn't even fifty years ago at the point that this album was written. And he said, what was the point of being born if those things can come back? And we're sat here in in 2023, and it feels just as relevant. Like Jean-Marie Le Pen's daughter, Marine Le Pen, is still leading the far-right charge with like loads and loads of supporters. We've got the rise of parties like UKIP and Britain First, the ever-increasing, like, the hard right, drift of the conservative party recently like very recently capped with their like disgusting and dangerous immigration policies um feels very today 
feels very mm-hmm. relevant. But in the early 90s, there were undercurrents of it, not just in Britain, but in British music as well, with the rise of the National Front, the Britpop co-opting of the Union Jack, whether it's Oasis like plastering it on a guitar or Morrissey draping it around himself, and the music presses like insistence, obsession on some kind of weird British music is best kind of rhetoric. And like Morrissey draping himself in in the Union Jack and somewhat aligning himself with the BNP and the National Front was characterised, and they're way ahead of their time on this. Even the Manics characterised it at the time as uh, the act of a sad, embittered old man, mm. uh, which is which is pretty spot on. Um, and then while all of that was going on, the Manics were visiting death camps in Germany, and they visited Hiroshima in Japan, the sites of atrocities and human-on-human violence and scarred landscape. So I think it's all, it's, it's, it's all over the album, and, and the, the album is kind of them standing up against all of that in, in some ways. Like one of the first live performances of this album was at the, uh, the Anti-Nazi League uh, uh, demonstration and stuff like that. Um, it's d- depressingly relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bop, yeah. though. R- really fucks. Well, this is the thing, again, I've come from it. I've gone, I've, there's so much of the music I didn't consider the first time mm. round and like and just the way the songs are written apart from all the context and lyrics but but while we're talking about lyrics and stuff like going back has been really interesting because where i feel like i know the manics more i feel like i can be a little bit more critical um and this one this song is a good example of how really clumsy that many lyrics that weren't written as songs squashed into a song can sound i do think it helps for the vibe and i do however like i think the way he's singing the masks how it can how you could be forgiven for thinking it kind of sounds clumsy. Do you know what I'm saying? He's singing but he's singing with like Venom. I understand what you're saying. Uh, I disagree with it. No, uh, sure, but um like it it puts people off because it, Ed has said that the way he does this with with the lyrics he's given may means he doesn't really like the band. Do you remember our friend Ed? Um not Ed O'Brien. Um, That's who I thought you were talking about at first and I was yeah. like, "What?" Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a turn. But but I I think it works in this song. But like it's very interesting. Like when I focus on that, that it doesn't sound. I don't think it sounds good. Um, but I think that works for the song. So it's that weird thing. Like because it sounds it sounds like a rant and and it sounds angry and venomous. Um, so it fits the song. And it fits the album perfectly. It's, it sounds but, almost like some kind of like some kind of manic street preacher. Yeah, that's a weird sentence. Don't like it. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. yes, I mean there are actually bits. I couldn't give you the example, but when I was reading through the lyrics as I was listening to the songs, there was a couple of instances where I noticed he doesn't actually even say a full word. <laughs> yeah, right. he did that. Like he's getting he through that. so many lines, it'll almost cut off certain words short. But you've got the it, like, you get it. The point yeah, is just yeah, about yeah. there. But he's kind of almost like trip trim the word down to because he has to jump into the next syllable make no mistake though all of that is very very deliberate because he could have written any melody to it he's not interpreting a melody he's just interpreting words and he could have done a slower song he could have put more breath in he wants it to come across as like lines running into each other as like a ranty kind of preachy kind of thing did we did we talk about Stephen sondheim on the last episode i don't i don't remember the the playwright he 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 writes musicals yeah yeah so J- james dean bradfield modeled this on west side story 
Which is like a, a quintessentially. Uh, you did mention that. You did, did I mention that? Yeah, because we said we said it's the one with the dancing gangs. Right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and it has quintessentially like American themes, but it's also about race relations, isn't it? West Side Story, and so because the lyrics had that stuff in, he went right. Well, I'm going to write it as though it's West Side Story, and if you replaced all the guitar parts with like strings and stuff, going like dun 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 and stuff like that, and and people going like images of perfection, suntan and napalm, you can hear like the musicality of it, and it's like a it's like there's like a dramatic push and pull to it, and then the way it opens up in the chorus is like the cool groovy morning fine bit is. It's excellent the oh, way the that bit, opens up. The bit I abs- absolutely love in it, and it does. It may be the same. It, the the chorus where with the the Zabruda, the first, the first and the guitars following the, the vocal melody. Oh, it's so good! And you've got a harmony. There's like a harmony, uh, a vocal yeah. harmony there as well. And then it the drums kind of get heavier at that point as well when it comes back in after doing so many militaristic drums. And then um, and then he does that thing where he goes up an octave, and it's insane. Um, yeah, like just all of that stuff. Like I hadn't considered before. Just like, oh god, that chorus is fucking great. Um, yeah, it's so it's so catchy. Which is, you yeah. know, it's a shame that the first lyrics in it are there's not enough. Like there's too much black in the Union Jack or whatever because yeah. you can't sing it. You know, you can't sing it to yourself. Uh, which is, you know, it's a pity. You and can then it, sing it to yourself. You can, yes, you can sing it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. what really hurts. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Uh, it's uh, it's one of the best songs ever recorded. Uh, I, I love it very much. Uh, same goes for Yes. Uh, it's a good album, this. One of my favourite albums, etc. Yeah, yeah. etc. All of the things. Did I do this last time? I think I might have yeah, done this last time. Yeah, 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 yeah all right then. Yeah. Uh, keep, keep going Luke, with it. It's good. Lucas, you picked the next one. You're like DJ Khaled. No, that's another one. Oh, well. What? I don't get the DJ Khaled. Oh. And I knew before I died two things would happen to me that number one i would regret my entire life and number two i would want to live my life over again pick this because you are also a radical feminist belonging to the society of uh, cutting up men and think that men are all walking abortions now we did this on the last one where that is the origin of that phrase right yeah that's where that like term has come from i have a different take okay that i think they're using that term to refer to because this this i mean this guys this is the holocaust song 
very holocausty. It's one of it's the less it's the least holocaust of the three holocaust songs. I it's reckon. It's still pretty holocaust. Pretty though. holocaust. Little people in little houses. Oh, this song it's it's pretty holocaust. Yeah, uh, and I, I almost because I also forgot all of that that you told me right until I listened to the episode yeah, three yeah. days ago. And so when I was listening to it, I was like, "What's of walking abortion again?" And in my head, it is that all of those people in those camps are walking abortions because they are ultimately going to be aborted. That is an interesting take. So hmm. we, being the people in camps, yeah, are yeah, all yeah. walking abortions because we're all ultimately going to get exterminated. Oh, that's interesting. That, 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 that is an interesting point. I, I, th- Followed th- immediately by Shalom, which immediately yeah, makes you think, well, it, it, yeah, there's a line there. Yeah, draw absolutely. a line there. Um, the, the specific phrase comes from the first draft of lyrics, which was by Nikki and was squarely that feminist slant aimed against oh, men. And then Richie turned it into uh, the, the people who are walking abortions are not men. It's the whole of humanity as a species. Mm-hmm. That's. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's kind of going for there, and and he does it through the lens of right wing totalitarianism, uh, making the point that that these atrocities that we have all over the album, the genocides, the holocausts, they all took place because whole swathes of ordinary people who exist within humanity allowed them to happen stood by and watched them happen and received and took orders so that they could happen. Yeah, maybe it's just because I, I listen to this song and, and I'm just thinking about Holocaust the whole time. And so I'm then tying all those lines into that overall theme, you know? Maybe that's what it is and that's why I put my take on it there. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'd forgotten all the stuff you told me before about you know, <laughs> the original origin. I mean, that means you can't with your own take, which is yeah. I don't think it's wrong. Then, I'm like little, something, yeah. Because then the lines like little people in little houses, like maggots, small, blind, and worthless. I just thought of like again, horrible phrase to describe some people in a camp. But then that I and and uh, think about the next line because I think this is what unlocks it for that he's talking about all of humanity, little people in little houses. Maggot, small, blind, and worthless. The massacred, innocent blood stains us all. Mm. As if saying we are all responsible. Well, I mean, who's responsible? You fucking are, is the last line of, of the song, right? I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick, Nicky has talked about how everybody has a tendency towards being dictated to and told what to do. And I think Richie is drawing the line there with Hitler reprised in the worm of your soul, as though everybody is secretly yearning for the next Hitler to come and give them instructions and views people as inherently weak and easily manipulated, i.e. little people in little houses, maggots, Mm. small, blind and worthless. It's a hugely... What struck me about this album this time is, is, is it's not just dark, it's hugely confrontational this album right uh like in this one he's trying to take humanity if if they think they're hard enough he's having he's having a go at like everybody (laughs) it's a very like confrontational album i think you see it in like faster as well um 
I mean, I you know, again, I I keep talking about things on the wrong songs because I said about the last one sounding so textbook Holy Bible, but I've actually put for this one. The other reason I picked this one, the chorus is I put arguably the definitive for this album. It's just yeah. so the Holy Bible, and yeah. it's it's got uh, all of that horrible flange on the riffs, yeah, yeah. and it's and got the low grumpy bass is what so I described. It's grumpy, grumpy, well, grumpy. Yes. It's such a it's grumpy, grumpy bass. bass. Yeah, 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 which would that have been? Uh, it's written by. JDB, right? Because I know at this point, probably Nikki, it would have been played still by Nikki, not exactly though. the most. No, but the most adept. I can't it, imagine he's writing such a. He's writing bits and pieces. Sort of. He's writing bits and pieces. He wouldn't have written like Archives of Pain, but he might have written of Walking Abortion, or he's just following a guitar part. I think in some bits of it, because the bass line is so driving in this song. It's not just some root notes to to back it. You know, it's got it's such a driving part of the song. It's also got that very militaristic drumming, which uh, mm. pairs it quite well with If White America, which had that sort of like sort of thing going on. Um, yeah. But but funny enough, now this is the vibe I want from my Holy Bible. Yeah, that's great. Because that's what I come to it for now. Yeah. If I want to listen to li- if I want to listen to Light Manix, there's plenty of other options. <laughs> and back then, I wanted that, and I didn't, and I wasn't getting it. Now I know there's there's plenty. There's like nine of them I can go to. I want some light manics. Guess what I think about this song, though? What? Fuck, it's fucking banger. It is, it is a banger. And it's yeah, got yeah, a catchy yeah. chorus. Yeah. And you, get, you can get so caught up da, in the da, da. Mussolini's and Hitler's of it all, it's easy to forget it just fucks. It's, it's I, uh, easy to get up. It's easy to get caught up in the Hitler's and the Mussolini's of it it's all. So it? And I think that's what the song the is about, is how easy yeah. it is to get caught up in the Mussolini's and the Hitler's of it all. That's it. You know? Um, I tried doing the last Who's Responsible bit at the end. I tried doing When He Goes Up a Register again, and it really distorted one at the end. It really hurt my throat. I did like a... <laughs> What's the remind me what the quote is at the beginning? I mean I know what the quote is, but remind me who who is saying the quote at the beginning. Oh, oh, oh we haven't got it. It was uh, your mum. It's uh, my mum. It's your mum, Steve. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry. Are you asking me this because I got it wrong in the last one? No, uh, no, no. I said it was I said oh, it was, did. Ja- I said was it was it JG Ballard and it's not. Um oh. it's uh Hubert Selby Jr. who wrote Requiem for a Dream and Last Exit to Brooklyn. Uh, interestingly he uh the, the quote is in half uh he says the stuff that is on the the holy bible and then he goes on to say how writing offered him redemption and uh improved his life uh and they, they, they make the decision to cut that out yeah. <laughs> they cut that bit of it out we'll just keep we'll just keep the dark stuff in actually did you um, did you see on the discord um uh Jesper, it might be Jesper on the Discord, uh, wrote, uh, I, knew that, I knew that someday I would join the What Is Music Discord, and I knew before I joined that two things would happen to me. That number one, I would regret my entire life, and number two, I would want to listen to everything all over again. I thought that was yeah, great. Yeah, excellent. That is good. Yeah. That is good. Are people doing like Manix quotes as the podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. are they? Okay, good. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, there's a bit of kind of like slightly more experimentation than we're used to from the Manics in general across the whole of their career here, which is like those grinding ambient noises you can hear. You know the bit where he's, uh, go- oh, what are the lyrics? The bit where he's going, life is, and then you hear, that is a manipulated field recording that Alex Silver had made of steelworks in the Welsh Valleys. Excellent. Uh, so it's, it's white noise that he's punching in, uh, in like a rhythmic fashion, uh, which is quite cool. And it does the cool thing of the guitar following the, which she did in the last song, which we already talked about, 
the guitar following the vocals when it does the now now where do you stand on that is it only when it's solos that it's bad no 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 because that's different this is different because it's it's following it and so it's good it's cool okay. if they try to do that as a solo I'd right. be like oh, yeah, it's, it's just only if it's on its own yeah you're doing yeah, the yeah, vocals okay. as a solo that's yeah, a bit lame fair. but it's doing it along with it good <laughs> also that was the only instance of that vocal melody yes that's true okay yeah it's not like the solo was going wow now wow 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 because that'd solo. be lame that's a great that'd be should you come up that's with that great. solo that's really okay, good. that would fit in the like song the that would fit in yeah. the song really well yeah the notes yeah the notes were good yeah it was really good Recognizable. um I, I it taps into more of richie's stuff about like the fear that britain was falling back into fascism which i think you know richie and and the band by extension they do kind of represent a bit of a limb there i know i talked about morrissey and the rise of the bmp and and all of that stuff that there wasn't a widespread fear of that in the early and mid 90s not like there is say today uh you know we, we we've spoken a bit about uh the, the 90s being quite a hopeful time mm. um Whereas well, John Major was around, I mean, exactly. Well, well, not yeah, yeah. He was, he was prime minister. But we have uh, Tony Blair coming up right now, like it's as the Holy Bible is released. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, not a huge amount of fear then of of Britain falling into like a fascist kind of state. Now it's a bit of a different vibe, isn't it? Uh, the the Holy Bible almost works like a little bit better today. Uh, if anything, it's a little bit more on the money. Um, the next track is She Is Suffering. I think it was like our, our weakest between us, right? Still stand by it. Probably the least compelling thing on the album. Still right? stand by it. It's a bit yeah. ploddy. It's a bit ploddy. It's a bit simple. The structure isn't particularly exciting. Um, yeah. But I like the vibe. It's kind of like haunting. It's like, well, driving, I think, is a better word than plodding. Like, um, I just think that you hit the nail on the head before when we talked about it, Adam, is that you need She Is Suffering here. Because you need it between, you, you couldn't go from a walking abortion straight into archives of pain. Oh, I think you could, and I think you should. Did, did I say yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well done, me. <laughs> also, Steve, is the only difference between driving and plodding whether something's good or not? Yeah, I bef- yeah. I think it's good, it's driving. If it's good, it's driving. If it's bad, it's plodding along. Mm-hmm. Correct, that's it's right. Yeah. speed, isn't it? Yeah. I reckon yeah. it's the speed. I, yeah. think, I think plodding is walking and driving yeah, is a car. Hmm. Whoa. This song a car. So driving is is very smooth, you know. It, it's got it's got momentum to it. Whereas walking's a bit. Why are you doing the fat man <laughs> tone? <laughs> the fat man <laughs> tune. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think she is suffering is growing growing to me quite a bit. But then I know familiarity is a huge thing for me, and I know it's for Lucas. And I guess most people, if you've heard a song a lot, I really I like, like it. it. It's just what the least the compelling it thing on. I, I just think it's the least compelling thing on the album. It's yeah. a lot of people said this about like, oh, I can't believe you've got uh, all I need in your lowlights for in rainbows. I feel the same way about she is suffering. It's an eight out of ten song on an album full of nines and tens for me and elevens. You know, yeah, and some elevens is chucked in there as well. Um, Archives of pain. Do we want to hear the baseline? Do we want to hear the quote at the baseline? Yeah, go, go on. on then, yeah, yeah, go on then. Do you think you are? Do you damn well think you are God or something? God give life, God taketh it away, not you. I think you are the devil itself.
big bass face at the moment. But it's not. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. fart face, really, because this bass line is like... <laughs> that's how the bass line sounds. It sounds so evil. I, I, saw, I saw the bass line described as predatory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As though it's it like is. hunting. It is. You know? Do, 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 but slowly. Do, do, do. It's not like a predator, yeah, like yeah. a cheater. It's stalking. Well, yeah, it's slowly. like a serial killer. Would, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know? I mean, it's creeping. I know, yeah. It's creeping. Um, we talked about why the album's called The Holy Bible. Uh, Richie was made to go to church when he was very young, which he described as some appallingly fat old man in his 80s screaming fire and brimstone in a little Welsh Elim chapel. And there's a lot of Old Testament stuff on the album, no more so than Archives of Pain, which seems, and we'll, we'll, have, we'll have gone over this multiple times, I'm sure, seems to call for the death penalty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it mixes serial killers with politicians, which is quite funny. Uh, and it says a dead body is worth more than any remorse than anybody could show. Um, and it's you know it's it's more stuff on 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 human cruelty. But but I was talking about apathy, right? The the apatheticness of it. Apatheticness, not a word. The apathy of it. Yeah. Um, it places human cruelty as though it's just a part of life, in it. Yeah, you know, just being cruel to your fellow human is just a part of life. Don't be ashamed to slaughter. The center of humanity is cruelty, and I think it's holding up that mirror. Um, Nikki said, "Evil is an essential part of the human condition, and the only way to get over it is by recognizing all hypocrisies, all evils, recognizing it's in us all." Which I guess is not a very liberal view. And this song potentially not a very liberal view from what we know is a very left-wing band, right? Yeah, and and yet this is the song that makes me laugh. Is it? I'll tell Which you why. It's the is bit it that goes... it's so dark? No, it's literally one of the one bit in it, which I only noticed today, and it's when he spells out deserve at the end, because he goes, give them the respect, they D-E-S-E-R-V, and then he goes, E. Because e. <laughs> <laughs> he forgets the E. It's like he, it's like he just remembered it. <laughs> Shit, <Yeah>. E. <laughs> Um, no, one thing I noticed that like, I never really picked up on is this song. You could skip around this song and think you're listening to different songs because mm-hmm. it's got three very distinct parts in it. And I'm not just going to say verse, pre-chorus, chorus because that's what it is. But like you've got you've got that boom, 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 the verse, and then it goes into like a really floaty kind of nice that floaty you know, the, bit, that pre-chorus. The guitar yeah. sound on that one is very Manic Street Preachers. Oh, it's very. This whole album is yeah. quite Manic Street Preachers, but I've like, but like, well, almost yeah. like it wouldn't sound out of place on a later, more accessible Manic Street Preachers album. That's almost oh, a little yeah. bit. Okay. Sounds like it could be on EMG or something. And yet, when I said it, I feel like it could could be just you know, it's a little hint there. Little. But yeah, then it goes into that ridiculously the double time of the 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 chorus and um and then and then you've got the ending which is it, it literally speeds up in tempo as it gets towards with that insane solo at the end and this song yeah is the, really the solo good, is it? it's really good song actually somewhat extended yeah somewhat dees yeah oh dees what dees dees what dees nuts yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, also they say the name of the band that no 
Ahoy, boys! I know, right? Ban everyone drinks. <laughs> it's so funny. That's the bit that makes me laugh. Yeah, is that they include true. themselves in a list of serial killers uh, and implore you to give them the respect that they deserve. What if that was like a subtle, like, put it out in the public? Like a little hint. Oh, yeah, like the Zodiac would write letters to the press, you know? Yeah, maybe like yeah, they've yeah. all killed a lot of people. I told you guys about the Zodiac thing, didn't I? When we were at the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Facebook post. Yeah, I'll, yes. I'll tell it. I'll cut this out. I'll tell it on a different episode. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it, I, I think it's kind of going for like how everyone is susceptible to the idea of revenge. The Old Testament, an eye for an eye, getting justice. The idea that evil is such a part of the human psyche that not only does it create serial killers and fascists, it creates a want to kill those killers and fascists in itself, making society in its own search for morality as bad as those who are being put to death by society itself. And I think even the most lefty, softy people have at some point have like have the thought had the thought of like yeah or we just fucking kill him you know yeah of going like oh maybe just get rid yep burn them and 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 people like to think that hey you know oh us on the left the the woke arati as Mm -hmm. as we were Mm -hmm. we referred to the other day um the oh, other no, day, I'm... but when Liz Truss was PM, that was about six months ago, mate. Oh, I, I saw someone on GB News say it uh, yesterday. Oh, uh, has that become a a, known, a big phrase yeah, now? Is yeah. It? yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we like to think of ourselves as, oh no, we're we're actually above that. I don't think there's anybody who can say that not once they haven't heard of a crime and gone like, maybe maybe get rid of that that person, just kill him. Yeah, maybe yeah. just get maybe just get rid. Don't need him. Don't. Need them. I think that they are talking about that. I think how I think they're talking about how to rise above that is to almost like deny a human urge. Um, there's a line in there: "If man makes death, death makes man." So like it it defines us. Um, it's one of those lyrics that James Dean Bradford was. He said he was confused by. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because so often we in music we confuse the singer with the song. We assume the person who's singing is singing about things that they are connected to or, or things that they want to communicate, um, which is not the case here. He, he didn't necessarily completely get it, but he knew how to put music to it. Um, uh, sign that it's a more interesting song than the last one. We ended up talking about that song for probably about as long as the ones that we picked. Yeah, uh, well, I When saw she is suffering, we went, well, low light. Cool. Yeah, I mean, on. it's going to happen on Revel as well, which is a deeply odd song, isn't it? <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> is that because it goes, shanana? That is odd. That kind of comes out of nowhere. It's all, it also pairs European and Soviet leaders with sexual proclivities. Uh, now, look, he could be saying all manner of things. And I say I should say the band, really, but this, this, this album is so entwined with it being like Richie's album. Do you know what I mean? Because he wrote mm-hmm. like 75% of the lyrics or whatever. He could be saying all manner of things. The seedy underbelly of politics. Oh, maybe he's saying that. The need for a warped kind of love from people in positions of power. He could, he could be saying that. He could be trying to, uh, to take power away from these people by placing them in those, you know, gently farcical positions. Uh, I'm here to say that I don't know. Uh, I, I, I read an interesting take by David Evans, the Welsh writer, who proposed that Richie is kind of obsessed with re as a prefix on this album. Um, there's lots of mentions of regret, reprised, revived, recovered, remorsed, repented, and that re means repetition or moving backward 
in Latin. So he could again be trying to like tie it back to the resurgence of resurgence exactly of 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 fascism. Um, and the chorus uses those barked slogans in orders, which is not dissimilar to what what would be seen in Soviet or Nazi propaganda. But it turns him into like quite a catchy little post-chorus. I've been walking around the house going, Lebensraum, Kultakov, Raus, Raus, Fila, Fila. Because it's... it's mm, but what I'm actually singing is living space, culture struggle, out, out, get in line, which is a very troubling thing to be walking around my house mm. singing to my gecko do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> it's, yeah um but the the song is the song in general is maybe it's one of maybe two like more light-hearted moments and you, you've picked the other one haven't you steve a bit a bit later in the album yeah, well yeah. much later in the album as uh, late as you end, can get end. in the album yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a banger it's a banger this one isn't it yeah it's, it's yeah fucks yeah it's somehow i wouldn't call it sounding dirty what, no, well, you famously banger. said that Faster was the only banger on the album. So famously, so famously. famous, it's pretty famous. I can't even remember. It's on, it's on the episode. It's pretty famous. Is it not infamously? Mm, yes. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, Would you they, rather be famous or infamous? Infamous. Famous. <laughs> okay. Um, they I'd took rather a... be famous. <laughs> what is that? What is famous? <laughs> and I'd rather be famous. Just known for always being. It's only because I know you. We need to stop doing Irish accents. Because I'm pretty sure. Don't worry, you're going to get far from Irish as you can. They took a break from recording this song, uh, and in that short little break, Nikki heard "Boys and Girls" by Blur on the radio, Uh, and and he he was talking about this that that moment. He said. I thought, fuck, we've just written a song about group sex in the Politburo and really the biggest thing out there from an indie band is about going on holiday to Ibiza. We couldn't be fucking further from the musical explosion than we are (laughs) right now. It's a great... (laughs) I love that. And that's why the Manics are interesting. You know, it's, 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 it's what makes them special. But also, it's not about going on holiday to Ibiza. It's about going on holiday to Greece. Uh, He even says it in the song. So right, wrong. Well, so they they say, oh, we read all these books really well read. Exactly. Why don't you read some fucking lyrics to a Blur song. Exactly. Yeah. You can't even get that basic thing right. Idiot. Um, do we want to have a little bit of a listen to Four Stone Seven Pounds or nah? Don't have to. We know it. It's fine. We know it. We, we know, know it. It goes. Is that it? Absolutely incredible. I've got written here something that I think applies more to the version Lucas just did than the version that's actually on the record, particularly haunting. Yeah. Well, this is the thing: is that I forget that this song is is heavy. Like when I think of Four Stone Seven Pounds, it makes me think of the second half. Whenever I think of that, the slow bit, the super super sad slow bit. Um, But it's like spiking angry for that for that first half. Yeah, it is. It's ferocious. Interesting, because I think of the strokes. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's yeah, box. Um I, I say haunting not 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 just because it's quite graphic, 
which it is, but it but it, it's quite graphic alongside very precisely exploring thoughts behind the graphic imagery, like the the stretch talk playing film on bone. I am getting better. Mm-hmm. That they are to, to to the listeners without experience of of disordered eating. That they are diametrically opposed sentiments, but they are in fact directly related. You know, the the the, the thinner I get, the better I think that I'm doing. Well, this um, is the reason this song really scares me because, um, because I don't know how to put this. That it, it's it's not gonna, it's not insensitive from the way I'm coming from it, but I can't even imagine someone being in that uh, mindset where they where they literally would love to waste away because that's that's what they feel is better. And I think it's it's so sad and scary that that people experience that. And so hearing the way that the narrator talks about it in this song, it it, it really freaks me out. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's, it's a tough tricky. one. This one in yeah. in in my job as as a support worker, um, the, the I don't know why, but the, the the hardest thing for me to get my head around with the people that I've supported has always been eating disorders. Like it's mm. it's a very difficult disorder it's a very difficult illness to put yourself in the place of and i think it's because it's to do with something that we all do every day which is like eating if it's yes. like drug addiction or or something like that then it's easier to kind of be like well that's something that i just inherently i'm not going to understand and i can approach it from a different place but because it's to do with eating i i've always found it very difficult to to get to grips with and and, and come to term to, to terms with um it it's uh yeah i this song uh, affects me very much the 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 phrase such beautiful dignity and self abuse is a phrase that has lived with me uh for a long time and uh i don't mind the horrors that surround me uh is also maybe important for the album and plays into that idea of apathy uh that we that we touched on earlier it's a it's a very dodgy line to tread this song i think in terms of writing i mean i know that he was experiencing it but yeah um it does it does can kind of it come it can come across when i get my words out it can come across that it's glorifying it um cuz what is this song trying to say apart from this is just and i know that he's experienced it but like yeah what is this song trying to say apart from like this is a thing that's hap- that that some people experience there you go but but also that's what's scary about it right it is also but i suppose it's also got the the way the media portrays it when he's talking about um the models and things like kate moss and things mm-hmm. like that and um but it's it you'd be forgiven listening to it thinking what if somebody was going through that and then they listened to this and they were like oh cool that that's all, all right i don't know i don't know how that's to how i it. feel validated it's just a, it's just an interesting line to to tread on in a song where it's not specifically saying um, we need to treat these people or anything. Should he like have that, at you know? the end of the song specifically said scribs? Scribs. <laughs> I, it's, well, it's does, like, I've, I've does, not heard scribs <laughs> so long. Does art have a responsibility to be uh, morally just? Absolutely not. No. 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 No, and and interesting that we all say that though, and yet we would all absolutely um, lambast a song that was just like just just a load of racism. Yeah, we would say that's not okay, that's not right. Even though we've just said we all agreed it's not the song. A song has no obligation to be 
hmm. sort of setting any kind of uh, uh, moral example. standards. Yeah, yeah or, or, or setting an example. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, look, I think I think Richie is. You know, obviously this was written by Richie. Obviously, huh? like, um, I, I I think he's just trying to put across his experience. Right, mm-hmm. he's trying to communicate with people. Um, I mean, he he will tell you. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about it later. He will tell you that that's not what he was trying to do, um, but I, it, it's pretty clear to me here that this is written from a place of experience, um, and I would say uh, that you kind of come up, a, 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 you know, a, a similar thing with Radiohead. I know it's not, you know, it's not as extreme with Radiohead, but it's but by that standard we would also be saying like well tom york is singing about depression but he's not saying that you can get medicated and treated true. for it Very you know true. he's he's putting forward his experience and and i think that from that you will have people who recognize it and gain comfort from that oh someone else is going through the things that i'm going through mm-hmm. or this yeah, yeah. this song is about me this song speaks to me and I think it is a difficult line to walk. I think you're completely right. I think this song's pretty successful in walking that line. Um, but I do find it scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are coming to it as people who have not had that experience. And yeah. I think you have a different reaction to the song if you have had that experience. And ultimately, I think those are maybe the people that we listen to on that on that kind of, you know, on that kind of area. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really trying to make any kind of grand point about how this song is wrong for saying the things or not. I just think it's an interesting thing to talk about, isn't it? That um, I didn't think you were. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a very interesting... Like you said, it's a line, isn't it? It's a line you've got to walk. We, you know, we might, we might have people listening to this that, that, um, that suffer from, from similar things, and just us talking about this now will probably be pretty triggering. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, the album is like... this. That's... That's the album is, isn't it? Walking that line, really. So, yeah, yeah. fair play. Tick, yeah, yeah. Annex, successful. Well, I, I, I think that definitely fits into the take that we talked about earlier, which is like the album does not offer... It's, it's yet to offer a moral judgment on the Holocaust, despite bringing it up two or three times so far. It, and it's also yet to offer a glimmer of hope. Yeah, exactly. It's all just... Shit's fucked, my guy. Also, that... That song is, uh, uh, you said about it being the centrepiece of the album, but it, I think it also, again, just to point out the songs I now want from my Holy Bible, songs like that. It's Yes, yeah, 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 I agree. It, it feels like a, it, it feels exemplary in how it's constructed, but it also feels as though we're getting something quite personal from it in a way that you don't on other songs. And actually, I think... Uh, the reason I picked the next one, which is Mausoleum, is because I think it does the same thing. I see Four Stone Seven Pounds and Mausoleum as kind of like a little pair in the middle that give us the whole, the holy Bible experience. Mm, it's something, something yes. isn't it? Something, something. yeah. <laughs>
I mentioned the album having like a coherent tone, um, and I think I, pro- I I probably used the words or words this effect on on the last time I did this, which is a, a world that it drags you into, right? There's like yeah. a whole kind of like style guide almost for for the Holy Bible, um, and the sound clips that they use certainly go some way to immersing you into that world. It's it's interesting. It occurred to me when we were. It occurred to me last time, like after we had done it, but it occurred to me this time as well. It, it it's almost like we're analysing a book in some ways. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It, it has an audio component to it, but the way we went through references and did line by line stuff last time, it's quite a literary album, um, which is not. It's not necessarily because of the literary references, but but it feels like a tome. It feels like a book. And well, I kept saying that the thing that I found most interesting about it wasn't the music was that it was it was i found it interesting in the same way it'd be interested to listen to to read richie's journal yeah yeah yeah. the 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 titular journal journal. yeah um but they they use a literary device which is that they use quotes from other media and present them to you to give other context for the song and then they present like their own writing and discourse like around it um and this song has the guiding principle of the album, which is summed up by the quote by J.G. Ballard, uh, where he says, I wanted to rub the human face in its own vomit and force it to look in the mirror. And that's this album, right? Mm-hmm. That's 100% what they were trying to do with this album. Uh, the, the the song was inspired by their visit to, to Dachau, the death camp from the Holocaust, and how that kind of evil affects the landscape that surrounds it and how that's what they wanted to reflect. They write about it, and then by way of backing up their own point, they provide a quote from J.G. Ballard. Like, here's a source for this vibe. It's, it's yeah. like an essay. It's, it's like a book. Footnotes. Um, and it's just it's such a touchstone for the album. The, the idea that you are being reminded of the bad or the evil in absolutely everything with the lyrics, wherever you go, I will be carcass. Whatever you see will be rotting flesh. Calm down, um, the Mannix. Well, I mean, that's kind of Richie's outlook, though, right? It's very nihilistic. Yeah, it's very downtrodden. Yeah, yeah. And it's J.G. Ballard's outlook, too. You know, a man who was held as a prisoner of war in Japan and, and looked to recreate that experience via dystopian sci-fi novels. Um, but also, the song fucks. That's the thing. That's the, the other thing. Is the song really fucks. The song and the chorus fucks. is great. And, the you know, Lucas loves to climb up and a climb down. And he's climbing all the way up and running all the way back down on this one. You know, the... Mm. I mean, I've got two two consecutive notes here. Yeah. That climb down. Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, dot. What about that climb up? <laughs> Didn't mention. Okay. That climb down. Dot, dot, dot. The Holocaust. Yes. I mean, no, yeah. that's pretty pretty spot on, I have to say. Also, okay, to, to reference my previous, like my old, because I, I use my old notes as like a note. I note on my notes mm. and I listen to the episode. Is that spoilers? I, I was obsessed with the quality of riffs back then. <laughs> okay. One of my notes is the riffs all right. It's still not close to the last two albums, though. Why do I care so much about riffs? Because you're a riffs boy. I'm not just a riffs boy. Though. You're not now, but you, <laughs> no. I think I think you were a little bit back in the day. You he know, loves it. You, you, I, I think at one point you spoke about how like 
a lot of the music you listened to was like Rage Against the Machine, Muse, Nirvana, and those are all quite riffy. Oh, I also listened to like lo-fi beats to study and chill too. We hadn't, mm-hmm. we hadn't really reached the lo-fi beats to study and chill era of Lucas. I don't know why you didn't yeah, bring it up. Yeah, we hadn't discussed. <laughs> I don't know why you didn't bring it up. Um, the other thing I like about this song is that it's one of the more poetic uh, pieces of writing on the Holy Bible. Like the Holy Bible is very much like, here are the facts, everything is shit. But this one is like, no birds, the sky is swollen black, there's a holy mass of dead insects and stuff like that. Um, I really like it. Life, eternal, scorched grass and the trees for your love nature has hemorrhaged. There's a much more poetic thing yeah. to it, you know? But you're right, it fucks and it's just, a, it, it's a, it's another one that I kind of was just, just listened to the music of it and it's a punk album, it's a rock album, it's guitars, bass, drums and vocals, like, and it's heavy, like, a lot of the production choices on this song you're gonna you're gonna find weird the reference I'm gonna make to this, but it reminded me of the Ixnay and the Hombre album by The Offspring. Like it's a '90s punk album. There's there's uh there's another song that reminds me of. Should we stop of doing the podcast? Weirdly. Actually, yeah, I've never seen someone's <laughs> face drop so much as as the Holy Bible being compared to an Offspring album. Should we leave it? Should we should we knock it on the air? Because I'm you forget. You, it's so easy to forget that this is just a a punk album. Because it's just this monolith. I think we've used that word before. That it is just some guys playing rock music, and I think underneath, yeah, all of that heavy context, you've got this guys' rock music sounded like this. Yeah, but at no point does this album go. Whoa, whoa, because it's yeah. every offspring. Is that song. the kids' no, song? It's, it's every offspring song. No, what's the one where they rip off Obla D? Have you, uh, oh, uh, it's exactly the same, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. why don't you get a job? That's the one. Say no way, say no way. And the verses are the same as well. Yeah, always the same. I hate you bring up the offspring and uh, it's ruined the song for me. Because yeah. I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to think about the offspring every single time now, which is a devastating thing to have happened to me in my life. Yeah. I don't cool. want to think about the offspring, even when someone says the words "the offspring." Yeah, but it was difficult, difficult to disconnect. Even when you have a child, the and it's described it. as your offspring, oh, you'll go shit. It's shit. Uh, it's no. shit. I can only think of one song. It's shit. That well, that's the reason I'm no, not having they've kids. They've only yeah. got one song, Steve. That's the point. Who did a "Pretty Fly for a White Guy"? Offspring. That's the offspring. That's two songs, then, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Early albums, man. It's punk. It's great. Bag of shit. Second podcast in a row where I've just been slagging off the bloke from the Offspring because because it's the second podcast in a row where Steve brought up the Offspring. Yeah, <laughs> he's on a real Offspring hype at the moment. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, man, your mileage may vary with acts like the Offspring. I suppose I don't even have any mileage. Mine broke down. <laughs> it's been written off. <laughs> Fast is a good song. Do you want? Should we play a bit of it? How 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 do you not play a bit of faster? Uh, well, you just don't. You just, no, you just don't I've press play. Oh, I've done it though. <laughs> I want everyone corrupted. I am an architect. They 
you, you could go a decent way to saying this is the Manic Street Preachers song, mm-hmm. uh, the song that sums them up the best. Which I found baffling when we first did this album. I was Do like, you get it what now? are you saying that there's no better? Uh... I still don't think it's the, the definitive Manic song. I think it is. It, it's one of, you know, like it, it involves nostalgia. It involves looking back. There's a sadness. There's a bleakness to it. There's a defiance in it. It's full of literary references from the 1984 quote at the start to mentions of Miller, Mailer, Plath and Pinter. There's an outsider status stuff that's attached to it. It's wrapped up in the in the pressing down of, of the rest of, of society. You know, if you stand up like a nail, then you'll be knocked down. And it's a rejection uh, and parody of the assumption that the working class are not literate. You know, I am an architect, but they call me a butcher. I am a pioneer, but they call me primitive. And they later rest on This Is My Truth as part of an album title. And here it's I Know I Believe in Nothing, but it's my nothing. And there is cultural alienation and despair on this song. It's, it's the Mannix all over. It's one of my favourite Manic songs of all time. It's one of my favourite songs of all time. Yeah, it's in my it's in my two. It was only overtaken by, uh, if you tolerate this, because of the last uh, podcast that we did. Uh, before it was my tippy top. See, I would mm. say tolerate be more yeah definitive. I think that's probably more emblematic of their sound, but this is more emblematic of their attitude and what they're about. Because it, it's spiky and weird in the verses, and Manics are spiky and weird sometimes, but this also has a very catchy and anthemic chorus, which, you know, Manics are very catchy and anthemic. Uh, there's does, lots... it, does it sound like Offspring? No. I don't really want to really weigh in on that. I don't really want to think about it in connection with this song. Um, it winds me up so much you didn't hear what I said about The Offspring, and you just immediately wanted to talk about how shit The Offspring were, rather than the, what I was trying to say about That's fine. And that There's a lot fine, of uh, and self-doubt and like uh, egotistical power at play in, in, in this mm. song. It's, it's a true contradiction, which is also what the Manic Street Preachers are. They are nothing if not a contradiction. But we didn't pick it, even though we're I'm talking about everything. I almost used those exact words last time. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Uh, maybe I did. Uh, I picked the next one. This is yesterday. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> This is potentially the one moment of fucking peace that this mm-hmm. album offers. Uh, Four Stone Seven Pounds has that slow bit, but it's still drenched in like darkness and sadness. And this is, 
look, it, in comparison, I've put relatively in huge, uh, bold, italic letters. Mm-hmm. It's relatively nice. Yeah, um, it is. The, 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 the thing that makes it darker than it first appears is the fact that on an album surrounded by the horrors of today and the world, the one moment of peace that it gives you is when someone looks back at a time that they weren't aware of any of the world and mm. the horrors. You know, it's about looking back on your childhood, um, which is a very Nicky thing. And, and this obviously this song was written primarily by Nicky. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Um, we spoke on Gats, yeah, mm. which means gold against the soul. Nice, great, awesome, tragic s- singers. Steve did have it with gold against the soul, but I do appreciate you putting it out there. Um, we talked a lot about how uh, a lot of the themes on the album were tied into a loss of childhood innocence um and for a lot of the holy bible that innocence is in absolute fucking tatters you know the the veil is is completely off um and the only way it re the, the, the only way that the album and, and the narrator regains some of it is is, is by looking to the past it, it uses it uses nostalgia as a refuge from the things that are happening today which is absolutely nail on the head stuff i mean you know uh you can see that writ large across all of culture at the moment with most entertainment desperately trying to drag you back to a time where you felt safe instead of scared by all of the things that are happening mm-hmm. in the world it's it's comfort you know nostalgia is, is is hugely comforting and so this song sounds kind of comforting there's something quite pleasant uh about this song right now steve you're the resident nostalgia expert Mm. So I, I I reckon you love this song. I didn't think you were going to say the word expert. I thought you were going to say, you're the resident nostalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the nostalgia over in the corner there. Hello. It's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've literally written that this song sounds like nostalgia. I get an overwhelming sense of wistfulness from this. It's drenched in regret, though. It's like, oh, yeah. It's looking back and God, you know, like, so it's got... It's, and that's your favourite flavour of nostalgia, isn't oh, it? Oh, do you know what? Regretful nostalgia is like Steve... That'll be mm. your biography's name one day. Oh, I like Steve both, Murphy, though, yeah. regretful nostalgia, the what, Steve Murphy story. What I like to have, though, Lucas, is one of those ice cream cones where you can get two flavours. So I've got I've got regret, but also I've got a nice past. In, you know, just yeah. two scoops of those flavours of nostalgia in my ice cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on your nostalgia cone, yeah. there's two flavours. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I was going to say, like on this podcast, the, the, the nostalgia we talk about most is 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 the regretful nostalgia. The, 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 yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, it's interesting, yeah. like you were just sort of saying about how looking back at a time when you didn't know these atrocities, I often look at my son and I think, God, he doesn't know. He his main worry is like, I want to play Sonic for a bit longer. Yep. Or you know that kind of thing he doesn't know what a tory is do you know what i mean like he has no clue yeah and like god like i mean first of all i feel sad that he's going to start to learn that stuff that the world isn't any good the the loss of childhood innocence yeah yeah um but yeah i also think god what a life hey it's great what a life i sometimes I, i i think i would like the life of my gecko yeah 
Where now, when I... you say my gecko, because you're talking about singing at your gecko, are you talking about your penis? No, I'm talking about my actual okay. gecko, Goji. Okay, okay. Um, who just sits sits on a rock and occasionally goes, I might lick my eye now. And that's it. Those are the, those <laughs> are the only it. thoughts in his head. Yeah. And once I, every I, few I... days, I stick some worms in his in his uh in his viv in his vivarium yeah uh and uh recently a few crickets so he chases them around a bit uh and then he just goes back to his rock licks his, Maybe eye, licks his eye yeah 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 oh lovely, lovely. i often look at my cat and just be like he just he just has a little sleep yeah and then and then runs around a bit and then like does something fucking shit for a bit like <laughs> yeah fucking ruin some my life in some way oh yeah, i thought you yeah. meant just does something that you did you think is not very good like you didn't didn't think that he really got well, i also don't think it's experience. very good he listens to the offspring i also i also don't <laughs> i also don't think it's very good when he does the things that he does that are shit i mean like you when know, he just like rips he, up a bit of carpet right that's i thought you meant like rolls in his back and you're like that's shit you could have done that better <laughs> you idiot and then he just like has a bit more of a sleep Hmm. And then, mm. like, we come home and treat him like the most important thing in the world. What a life! And then though, he has eh? a bit more of a sleep. I mean, he hasn't got a pay council tax, has he? No. You know, he, he's not thinking about bills. He's not worrying about getting to work on time or whatever. What a life! No, Lucas loves his cat so much. He signed him on to the council as a, as an extra person in the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a dependent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this song very pleasant. Um, even the tension it builds uh, with its like it's got quite sparse tight drumming in the first half its point is not to create tension and then just hold you in it like a few of the songs on this album its point is to create tension so that it can release towards the end of the song and 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 that release is very stirring i think but it is also a good example of how shit the production of this album is like deliberately obviously um i'm going to play that release in a second but i want you to bear in mind gold against the soul and I want you to conjure up everything must go, if you can. Think of maybe life becoming a landslide and how the anthemic moments in that are produced. They're, they're, very, they're very clean, big strings. Everything must go. It has that bombast to it with like clean, bright guitars and like some layers of acoustic guitar sometimes and these big open drums. And now, now, now listen to, to this. really swampy mm. it's it, all the instruments blend together into a kind of soup and it's all flanger and chorus this album is sludge it is yeah yeah, yeah. It, it sounds cheap and underproduced and it actually sounds a bit like it sounds like a collection of demos that the manics would then usually give the big shiny send away the tigers production to mm, yeah um it's it's raw and it's and it's real and it's the sound of a tiny little room with people standing in it playing their instruments and you are closer to the sound that the artist is hearing in that moment. You're, you're, you're closer to the emotion that they're trying to impart. You're closer to the communication. And I think that that makes this song very potent, is what I would call it. I think this, this has a very potent uh, sound to it. Um, and, and it's interesting that it's paired with Die in the Summertime, because both are about looking back 
but Die in the Summertime has kind of like a darker aspect to it. It's someone at the end of their life looking back at an idyllic childhood and wanting to die there instead mm. of at the end of, of their life. Um, die in the Summertime, just very briefly, is, is the one that the Manics now find the most haunting. It's, it's the one that they feel is the most autobiographical and prophetic on the album, where, where mm. it talks about finding no joy in life after childhood, your life being empty and wanting to die. Um, what what he also said at the time was that Richie, like he, he said that none of this was autobiographical, and he said it in the press and he said it to the Manics as well. He he denied it being about himself, which is interesting. He was much more concerned with his lyrics being interpreted as holding the mirror to others rather than himself, as though he was looking outward rather than inward. But then I think it's difficult to know where one stops and the other begins, I think. Yeah. Like, it's four stone, seven pounds, come on. Like, exactly. You can't, it, come on. The, yeah. the references to self-harm on Yes and, 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 and the suicide references on, on Die in the Summertime. And I'm sure he, you know, he did say like he had no, in, he, you know, very rarely had intentions of killing himself. But I think he's also talked about struggling with the ideation of it. Um, it's interesting you said that this is the one that haunts them the most. I, I'm, sh- unless I'm thinking of a different concert. Didn't they play this at Glastonbury? I, I, when I say fairly recently, 2014. I mean like, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's mad and hilarious that they played that at Glastonbury. Very manix. It's a very it manix very thing manics. to do is to reckon with your grief on such a public stage, yeah. um, which is which is exactly what they do after this album, right? Uh, yeah, and, and then they go into Umbrella. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Another song that caught me off guard when I'm cooking and I'm screaming, I wanna die. Just yeah, along. Yeah. I mean, it's catchy. It's a yeah. rock banger. Um, speaking of catchy rock bangers, oh, uh, mate, Steve go. picked the next the one. The the intro gets me quite nostalgic because because the (laughs) the the Nuremberg trials the quote about the dead walking the earth and that do you remember (laughs) I wrote a song called for terror and for glory and I stuck that quote from the walking uh, the the dawn of the dead at the front about every dead body that all that sort of stuff so it reminded me of my own song so that's even worse than referencing the offspring Uh, can I shock you Steve no I don't remember that do you not I wish I'd brought a clip. (laughs) <laughs> very glad you didn't save it for the bonus set anyway back to the song about the holocaust um my main reason for picking this song is that i forget that there is an actual song with lyrics in there even the clip we just played then i don't know how much you're going to change that on the episode is that 
my mind the always thing projects. On the is that my mind always projects to the the beginning with the awful feedback and it, and and the texture of it all and stuff. But there, there's a there is a song in there, and um, it's the back half of the song, I guess. Um, it's six minutes long. Um, mm. so I think it's musically it, really interesting. Like loves long songs, loves them. Longs. <laughs> yeah. I think musically, the actual song part of it. I mean, I guess you could say it is all of a song, but. Um, when he's singing and there's drums, um, like you've got the there's like a lead up to the six million screaming souls bit. It's got this kind of weird climb of key changes, or it's just doom, doom, doom. yeah, yeah, and then he, he goes up and up and up. Um, so you've got this monotonous bit, and then it, then it climbs up to that kind of soaring chorus, I guess you could call it. Um, and I think that stuffed in the middle of this really ugly song there's like some beautiful moments he uses he uses this is the time when he uses his fragile voice on the album um for that chorus for the six million screaming souls part is that he's doing this really fragile kind of sort of feminine voice that he can do um and i thought that was really interesting on this uh, it is an ugly song isn't it um it's it's very ominous uh, it's a it's a real tone piece. It is, but I enjoyed this time focusing on everything except the horrible squealing noise as an imagery. You know, like right, I was yeah. like, there is a, there is some stuff in here as well, apart from that. Because when you say the intense humming of evil, apart from us joking that I think Lucas was going to have it his first dance at his wedding, but yeah, but like just just all the horror. If you think of the song, you hit you just think of a. I don't find a... the song itself, if if that's what we we we, we want to refer to it. I, I don't find the song itself that pleasant either. Like I don't think it's very pleasant. No, it's not pleasant. It's but it's spidery. Um, yeah, spidery is a good word. But um, I I just forgot even how that how this song sounded because all I can remember is that horrible screeching in my right ear at the beginning. Um, yeah, I mean, just the fucking noise of this song. It's it's the sound of actual screeching metal, by the way, run through an old, slightly broken sampler that was lying about in the studio. That's how I um, feel a lot of days. To be fair. There are sounds like that all over the album. There's little experimental noise touches that we talked about the metal works on of Walking Abortion. But also that squeal at the beginning of Faster and the noises in, in Die in the Summertime. All, all of that stuff kind of pushed the Manics out of the comfort zone to add like little embellishments, but with very little studio to work with. Um, the Faster squeal is them working out that if you twist the end of a guitar jack with sweaty hands... You can play it a bit like a theremin. Uh, Die in the summertime is James manipulating a glitch that he had in one of his guitar cables that overpowered his guitar pickups and turned them into microphones. So he screamed into them, um, and it all adds to that tone. But they they only had a mixing desk and a sixteen track tape recorder, so it was all very primitive, and it just makes it sound even more raw and shit basically because they are unpleasant sounds on an unpleasant song um this is the same band that did postcards from a young man is what Mm -hmm. struck me i've literally put in (laughs) i put in my notes this this band made lifeblood yeah (laughs) very different the um the the strings are they on the sample yes of like a political rally they are on that because they sound so like that is a documentary about about the nuremberg trials Right, and they're is. on the documentary. Yeah, and it's like, all about how the dead will so rise to judge their killers and, and all yeah, of that they stuff. They sound yeah. very of that 
correct. So if they weren't on the sample, I was going to say that's very good. It's very meat for meeting function, but it is on the original sample, so they can go fuck themselves. They didn't. No, no, no strings creativity on this album. whatsoever. No strings at all. <laughs> um, obviously, it's about the extermination guitar string uh, of the elderly and disabled. Uh, the medical experiments that took place at Dachau, the gas chambers at Auschwitz. <sighs> on, uh, <laughs> on 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 closer read, uh, it appears that that Richie is is kind of blending his metaphors a little bit when when he addresses how victims were deliberately exposed to malaria, but also puts those same victims in the position of being a disease, uh, which is how the Nazis would have seen them. There, that he likens them to bacteria that the castle uh, breathes in. And uh, there are kind of, uh, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We talked about it on the first time we did this episode. We talked about it today. And it's obviously because the Holocaust comes up a lot. There is a notion that there are two disparate kinds of Holocaust writing. One that maintains distance. So there's a kind of safety in it. And one that in, it involves the reader emerging with a more complicated understanding of themselves um we mentioned schindler's list schindler's list is is the first one we follow a guy who is kind of not directly involved in the atrocities and who ultimately helps a great many people there's a safe amount of distance uh in that these songs the intense humming of evil mausoleum of walking abortion they immerse you in it and they draw parallels to what role society plays in those atrocities or what role humanity in general plays in those atrocities in in, in allowing those things to happen and it asks questions like what where would you stand what what would you do what could you do uh if anything and in theory if you're very empathetic you would come away with a perhaps a better understanding of yourself and and it, it plays into that kind of holocaust writing i i find it very obviously emotive um and very uh tough to listen to i find this song tough to listen to not just on a sonic basis but because it's just kind of exhausting yeah. uh and i think i one of the arguments i remember from last time is uh lucas you were like no end the album on the intent time of evil and I, yeah I, I thought you might stand by it mate no, mate. I no, would. Mate. <laughs> I would. I could not. I need that little palate cleanser at the end. Nah, the, end on the bleak. It's a bleak hell. album. Let's let's not let's not let's not fuck about. It's a bleak album. End it bleak. There's a couple then, of gigs on the tour for this album where they opened with the intense humming of evil. And close with it. It's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, and they played it in the middle as well. <laughs> I I do. Yeah, um. Yeah. I I know we did talk about on everything must go that that Richie was obviously involved and had heard bits of what was to come. And so the he idea plays that... He plays on it, yeah. Yeah, and so the idea that he that, that if he'd stuck around, uh, they would have continued down the Holy Bible path is not necessarily what would have happened, actually. There's a good chance that no. everything must go still was where they went. But can't help but wonder that if his lyrics had remained and in the... With the content that he can, that he wrote with, the music would surely have never gone to lifeblood, and yeah, I, maybe. There, I think there would have been a peak on the level of joy that the music would have ever hit. <laughs> I, I think you still get everything must go. 
I don't think you get This Is My Truth onwards. I think Everything Must Go is the one you still get. Because we talked about how Gold Against the Soul sounds a bit like Everything Must Go now that we have all of that knowledge and it's all mixed up together. Uh, and of course, about I think it's about four or five songs on Everything Must Go are Richie's lyrics. Um, and they still have that sort of the the everything must go tone to them but it's an interesting it's an interesting thought experiment um i i don't think they uh, we're talking about the intense humming of evil i don't think they go forward on the intense humming of evil i think they might have gone forward on pcp i think they would continue to sound like pcp which we should play because steve uh steve steve chose it I think by this point when we last covered this album we were about seven hours in adam been talking about you know the holocaust and serial killers and researching the bad uh, having a bad time researching the album having a bad time talking about that research we were all wiped it was really heavy stuff so i don't think i really got to say how much this song just slaps yeah it's it just it's slap. just really it's great it's, yeah it slaps yeah, yeah it slaps oh, yeah. oh it slaps oh. actually oh steve it oh, oh. It slaps. Oh, Lucas. Oh, it slaps. There's mm. elements of this song that remind me of the naughty little punk boy roots. In those yeah. verses, it sounds like something from New Art Riot. It's a bit New um, Art Riot, yeah, absolutely. But actually, I think this is the clue of what was to come. I think this is the most Everything Must Go song on this album. It's got, it's, the sound is different. The pre-choruses are really melodic and upbeat. There's no sl- no particular sludgy sounds apart from... A couple of chord changes like that for when the first punk <laughs> root note um, power chords come in. It's like and it goes. Apart from that, like you know, there's there's the chorus is just the title shouted over and over. Kevin Carter. Oh yeah, good shout. A design for life. Yeah, but like right, there's a so the solo at two minutes twenty eight. Right, it is a rip off of one of their earlier solos. I'm sure. Before it changes slightly, um, can you tell me what it is? Because I couldn't find it. Let me have a look. Hang on. It may be New Art Riot, you know. Motown Junk. No. Is it Motown Junk? Right, there yeah, we go. Thank it. you very much. There it is. So quick to spot <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. Um, and then it goes... <laughs> but, uh, yeah. um, PCP, man. Like Again, like um, I just... I don't think I gave this a time of the day because it was like... Fatigue. It's a, bit, it's a bit of a normal song. 
It's the maybe one of the most normal songs on the album, kind of at least for the Manics, anyway. But then yeah. the things that it's saying aren't are, are that normal. I don't no, know if you no, guys no. Di- dived into it a little bit more this time. Political correctness can bloody mad. We talk, yeah, but it's not just bloody. You can't say bloody anything these days, is it? It's you can't know. You can't know, Lucas. It's, if you know, it's also talking about like distraction, right? Like PC distraction. Which, I don't know if you noticed, guys, but there's a hell of a lot of that going on these bloody days. Well, the, I, you know, the, the, there, there is a bit of an anti-liberal streak running through the album, a little bit. There's a quote from Richie around the time where he said, I think the Labour Party are the biggest bunch of cunts on the planet. Um, and I, I, he, he was referring to... I thought I was f- about liberals. Well... Exactly. See what I did there. Uh, he, he was referring to how far they had strayed from the slightly harder left they occupied in, in the band's youth, standing up for workers and the working class, now replaced by Tony Blair and uh, New Labour. He, he took over the party in July 1994, so like a month before this album came out. And one of the first things that Tony Blair did was remove a part of Labour's constitution, which was a commitment to common ownership of the means of production. It was just gone. Was a big part of what Labour stood for, uh, and what the uh, what the more idiotic people in the current political discourse would dismiss as the Marxist left. Uh, but but this this seems like a rejection of the liberal cause to, as some people might say, outlaw certain modes of language. Um, when interpreting the song, James in Bradfield felt it summed up how the hard-driven Labour socialist attitude that came out of the valleys is softening up and we're not quite fit for purpose at the moment. If you if you look at lines like systemised atrocity ignored as long as bilingual signs on view, I think Lucas is kind of spot on. It's more about how the focus needs to shift than it is about how, oh, you can't bloody say anything these days. You know, and, and again... Like, again, like Lucas said, feels familiar. If you flash forward from 1994 to 2023, it's difficult not to see the parallel between that lyric and the ongoing cultural war between what we've all decided are the only two sides of any argument. It's the woke left and the fascists, and that's it. Nobody yep. exists in between in no any way. It's always the same. And-, <laughs> and that's and that line, I know that that line is, you know, yeah, systematic atrocity ignored as long as bilingual signs on view, which is also very like, don't think about collapsing economy, climate change, uh, uh, growing inequality. Uh, what about drag queens? Exactly. We're, we're all arguing. Important. We're all arguing about whether people should or should not say certain words or wear certain things, whilst our government systematically disenfranchises the poor, slowly takes away people's rights on both sides of the political spectrum, and attempts to uh, close our borders to literally anyone who might be a bit foreign. It, the focus might be in the wrong place in, in a lot of these. But did you places. hear that Gary Lineker said something? Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? That that was the front page news, is that Gary Lineker said something. And that's what that's what the headline said. It just said, Gary Lineker said something. Uh, you can see that in And have in you seen lyric. his tweet? It, he just says something. Yeah, it just did says you see, something. Did you see the absolutely bafflingly wild news footage when the BBC say, the women on the BBC... And the news They've asked says, the BBC to comment. We asked the BBC to comment yeah, on this, yeah. and I saw someone bit underneath. It'd be brilliant if it just suddenly cut to her looking in a mirror, interviewing <laughs> herself. <laughs> herself. Absolutely insane. Um, right, sorry. You can see all of that stuff wrapped up in that one lyric, but also that lyric is like a specific reference to the fact that progressive work at the time was not being put into rejuvenating areas in Wales that had been decimated by the dismantling of their industry, but that 
that effort was being put into ensuring that there were Welsh language road signs in those areas. Uh, it, it's it's talking about the visible markers that are used to intimate the illusion of progress whilst no real progress is being made. Um, and it does it with energy. There's, there's lots of surreal left-field imagery on this, and, and there's references across the whole spectrum of art as well. There's high art in King Lear, and there's low art in Judge Dredd. Be pure, be vigilant, behave is a quote from Judge Dredd, uh, which is interesting, I think. Mm. It does kind of sound like The Offspring. It's got bits of it. does a little bit, doesn't it? Does it's it sound like punk rock, like the yeah. stuff. Yeah. And that's the album. How do you guys feel about the album as a whole these days? These days? You can't s- say anything these days. Can you go... Can't give any opinions on the Holy Bible these <laughs> can't days. Can't even give it a score these days. Can't even me. give it a bloody mm. score. Uh, I'm much more positive than last time. Hey. No shit. A certain to be more negative. <laughs> yeah. A certain time. section of our fans will be happy that I've righted a wrong. Oh, they'll be out in the street, mate. They'll be out in the street celebrating. Is what they'll still be doing. Be like the five ju- it'll six. be like the platy tubes yeah. all over again. There'll be street Max parties six, all over sorry. the place. Max yeah. six. Yeah. There'll be street parties going all over the place. <laughs> you heard People six point five is absolutely yeah. best. Kicking <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. That's Dees. Is in the middle of D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, I mean. Dees nuts. There's. Uh, there is. There is definitely the part of uh, it's grown on me because of time. Yeah. There is definitely the part of me of I have a fondness towards the manic street preachers now. Yeah. And so. There's that. There is that. Now I've heard everything. I can contextualize it and just go. That's what I'm here for now. That's a really. There's interesting no sort take. of sense of. But I don't want that from Manix. I want them to do be doing this. And it's like, well, I know they do that, and they do that, and they apparently do a krautrock album, and they do all this other stuff. Like that's. I now don't need to be sort of like want like what do I want out of my Manix? Because I know everything I can get out of my Manix. And of here's course, all the. Here's all the options everything. on the buffet. Here's all the options. I've seen everything. <laughs> but he's, that, that is very interesting. That is like... That is purely a familiarity thing. That's, that's very interesting to me. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like it, it's tantamount to uh, enjoying a film that has a twist in it the second time round because now you won't be surprised. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. Nah, it's not the same at all. I dated someone that would would look up the end of the movie before they saw it because they'd enjoy it more. Twat. Yeah. Okay, Um, cool. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's, um... No, it's more just that, like... Yeah, there's no sense of, like... You know, it was three albums in. I I was... I had expectations or wants of what I wanted to hear from Manic. So I thought I'd gotten it in the early albums. Dick. Um, (laughs) I, I then got something that I didn't want. And then... And then after that, when I was then getting what I did want, which is like everything must go, etc., and I then continued my line of oh, but not the fucking early Bible, it's shit, because now I've found the thing I want. Whereas now I've done, I've seen everything, and so of course, and so now I can just go, well, what what flavor of manix do I want today, and appreciate it for what it is, yeah. Instead Lovely. of just going, this is the Manix I like and this is the Manix I don't like. Now, there's some that I like less and I, I'm less inclined. To, I'll probably be less likely to go, what flavour of Manix do I want today? Not post Know Your Enemy. Oh. I think I'd be much more likely to listen to this than Know Your Enemy, for example. 
Adam's frozen. No, nope, oh, Adam's, shit, Adam's, Adam's died. Frozen. I think Adam's actually died. Oh, fuck, he's actually dead. I blink though, so he's not frozen on Zoom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually like, I mean, we'll find out when he gets to know your enemy, but right now I'd be more likely to go back and listen to this than know your enemy because mm. it's got a particular vibe and I go, that's the manics I want to listen to right now. That's the... the no, your enemy's got Miss Europa Disco Dancer on it. Yeah, but I can just listen to Miss Europa Disco Dancer. Oh, okay, so you mean as I can a just whole. Listen. Okay, I can right. just listen to that, and I do, every waking moment of every day. You've got it on now, in the background. I can I just, just, I just faintly have, oh, yeah, hear I, it. Under my, under <laughs> yeah, my yeah, headphones, yeah. I've got AirPods in. Yeah. <laughs> do you think, Lucas, because it, it represents like an extreme of a thing, it's like a wild end of the spectrum of like dark and dingy. Whereas, like, yeah, so, so you're more interested in that than just kind of Know Your Enemy, which is sort of sick. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said, like, yeah. the songs I now want the most is those. It's, it's, it's why, actually, yeah, it's why I prefer Mausoleum to PCP. Because you want awful. If you're going to go awful, go all the way. If yeah, I'm going to go yeah. awful, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you're gonna do it, fucking do it, boys. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it, boys. <laughs> Let's fucking have it then. <laughs> so, well, I wonder what were my highlights last time? Do you remember? It was, uh, it was faster, and I think it might have been the intense humming of evil. You know, because it had a vibe. It was. Yeah. It was. Whereas now it'd be like of walking abortion and fucking. Like four cents, seven pounds, or something, probably. Wow, wow. Uh, oh no, faster still. Far, faster. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry, faster. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, forgot yeah. faster. In terms of scores, I love that we've just got a little, you know. Course, okay, lovely. Little helpful words. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a good album. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's probably, it's probably a seven point five. Whoa! <laughs> because there's also that, the respect bananas. There's, there's also the respect element too, right? Of being like, I'm much more willing now to give something a score based on also like what it what it does. Yeah, yeah. that didn't creep in at all last time, really, did it? The, no, not the until like aspect. late. Like it did probably not until we got to Billy, maybe even because yeah, yeah. there was an existing thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then Billy was when I started going. Okay, well, I don't. You know, there's not all this is for me, but like. I like what she's doing here. She's doing some cool stuff. And that's yeah. when I started to get a bit more able to do that sort of stuff. A bit more woke, as it were. I got more mm. woke. I just became yeah. the bloody woke left woke karate. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Steve, what are you saying? I mean, you rated this pretty highly last time anyway, didn't you? You gave it the big old eight out of ten. Yeah, well, eight's great. Uh, I love going back to this album. I loved I loved coming from uh, at it from a different perspective. Like I did I did try to stay away from the Oh my god, this album's so important. It's almost like a misstep, or I should give it the respect it deserves. Big wink, um, and just be very serious about it. But like, I just enjoyed how heavy it is, how weirdly kind of sing along it can be, and and overall, just it's just a really successful dark post punk album. Um, it just so happens to also be this mythical album that's drenched in horrible imagery and really tied into the downward spiral of Richie and has context bursting out of it seems. Um, get yourself a girl that can do both, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I gave it an eight before, yeah. Uh, that seems incredible to me because I didn't say one bad thing about it, but I think, I think it was because it made me feel bad and I was torn between enjoying something and respecting it and because yeah. like it, I didn't particularly enjoy being in that space at that time, I kind of marked it down for that. But now I've got like respect and I really enjoy it. Um, it's 10. 
It's a ten out of ten. It's a it's a ten. Um, it's, it's mad that it would ten. be anything else now. Like it's really strange. It's when I listen back, I was just like, yeah, this is fucking great. Everything. Oh my god, it's so successful. Eight. Really weird. Uh, <laughs> I think before my highlights were faster, and this is yesterday. Uh, and now my highlights are faster, and this is yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's blows me away, Steve. I know, just right? to uh, just to make it about me again. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Because cool. it's been five uh, seconds. A little. A little something else that I think I've definitely become with with my scoring specifically. If we're going into the scoring is my aversion to wanting to let anything go too high for risk of it being rated similarly to an album that I loved. Right, okay. Is less. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. I think I probably was afraid of the 10 back then as well because it's like, well, we're in its, what, third album? I don't think I would have gone near it. So I think 8 was as close as I could get without you guys being a bit maybe like, whoa, that's huge. Interesting. Uh, Good album. It's an interesting one for the Manics. It's sort of its own little thing. I don't really connect it to the rest of their career at all, which is weird. Mm. Um, previously, so Gold Against the Soul and, and GT, which stands for? Gold Against the Terrorists. Okay. Uh, previously, when they've injected darkness into their songs, it's come across as a bit edgelord. Uh, I, I think because it's surrounded by very bombastic kind of rock songs. I'm not saying this isn't bombastic, but it, here it feels much more earnest and sort of real. Probably because the whole album is like immersed in it. They, 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 they'd gone dark before, but they had not gone genocide, holocaust, suicide, sex lives of dictators, religious fundamentalism, kind of dark, you know. Um, I, I, you know, Mannix, I said at the beginning, not typically known for their weird song structures. They're not, and, and they're not known for going this dark, and they're not known for sounding like this. They have a handful of albums that sound like Everything Must Go. They have a handful of albums that sound like Gold Against the Soul or Generation Terrorists. Aside from one very particular instance, there isn't anything that sounds like the Holy Bible in their catalogue. It's, it's, it kind of stands alone. And it stood alone when it was released, amongst the Britpop and the outrock and the dance-tinged pop music. Uh, you know, lads, sex, drink, the beginning of the Tony Blair, things can only get better, as Lucas said, years. Uh, this is recorded, this album is recorded right at the beginning of the vibe that OK Computer associates itself with. But where OK Computer comments on it and exists within it, this this album dissociates from it, it rejects it, and it reminds you that things can actually really only get much, much worse. Um, it is completely at odds with it, with its surroundings, and that's very Mannix. There's a quote from uh, Toby Jones, which is what I call Damon Albarn, mm-hmm. uh, around the time. He said, this is, this is what Damon Albarn said. He said, I've given up reading to concentrate on football, dog racing, and Essex girls. And in contrast to that, the Holy Bible was made under the manic self-imposed banner of analyse, despise, scrutinise. And whether you like it or whether you enjoy it, it's a towering achievement that stands on its own apart from and against the rest of the cultural landscape at the time. And as eternal as football lads drinking and Essex girls are, there is also, you know, this eternal stuff in the human psyche that that the Holy Bible kind of drags out. This has relevance beyond the time that it was made in, and it doesn't work as a time capsule in the same way that Parklife and Definitely Maybe do. Uh, It's a huge statement. 
it nails exactly what it's going for. It's a work of absolute art over commerce. Um, you know, th- th- they had previously tried to smuggle their like content to the masses by putting them in catchy choruses and like palatable rock music. There's no smuggling here. The music, the message, the tone, the words, they all blend together perfectly into just this monolith of stuff. My highlights are Faster and Mausoleum, which has changed from last time, I think. And I'm going to stick with my 10. I'm going to stick with the 10. So, yeah. Uh, it's a, you know, big album, big episode on a big album. Um, I think people will be happy with those scores. Uh, obviously, Lucas has succumbed to the pressure of the incredible amount of letters that he gets mm-hmm. from Mannix fans to his home address. It's like uh, the opening of the first Harry Potter. I don't know what that means. There's an owl. <laughs> is, is that right? There's an owl. That's right. There's many, yeah. Adam, there's many owls. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I More like than owls. two. Um, the Holy Bible charts at number six, which I always find very funny. That it was uh, in the top ten. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. Just, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Um, obviously, not too long after the release of the album, Richie goes missing. Uh, he's never seen again. The album has been likened to Closer or In Utero, kind of final statements by doomed men. Uh, but there's an interesting wrinkle to the Manics, which is the lack of closure and, of course, the decision to continue on. There is a good quote by music journalist Taylor Parks who says, where the Mannix could have been a full stop at the end of rock and roll, they choose instead to scribble a question mark. Um, the decision to continue is remarkable, mm-hmm. I will say. Yeah. But we, sh- we, we, shall, we shall dive back into that another time. Um, next month. Next month. That, that's what we have to say about the Holy Bible. Those are our thoughts on it. We, we've Tell had me some- yours. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should yeah. call this segment, These Are Our Thoughts, Tell Us Yours, or whatever it is. Um, oh, or we we'll just call it Speak On That. Uh, no, we call it li- By Heaven I Charge to Speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners have, have, have given us some comments and stuff. There, We had less for the Holy Bible than we did for the previous two albums, even though I gave people more time, um, which is very interesting. It's because uh, the Discord's so busy in so many channels now that people just can't keep up. It's... It's interesting. Uh, Ernst McBoom commented uh, on this to say, I initially held off on writing a comment about this album instinctively. I think it's because it's just genuinely difficult to talk about. I imagine this is why there has been less comments on this album. But we did get some comments, and some of them were great. And thank you, everybody, for all of your comments. I can't read out every single thing uh, that people send in, but I've got like a little smorgasbord of stuff to feast upon. Mm. Um, Mm. James Heal said, Loved it as soon as I heard it. So much depth lyrically and just a bunch of spiky, memorable tunes. Still my favourite album to this day. I have never got bored despite playing it to death. This and Downward Spiral coming out this year was a good counterbalance to the emergence of Britpop, which I also loved was such a great time to balance fun, exciting, live-in-the-moment British guitar pop with angsty, meaningful alternative rock to switch between moods. was annoying to hear the Britpoppers slag some of this type of music off when half of them went all introspective and moody a few years later too, inspired perhaps more by Radiohead. Manix just got there first. Um, Victory Egg said... 
I left the Holy Bible for a while as I was getting into the band, as I was somewhat intimidated by its classic stature and how highly regarded it was in the fan base. Nowadays, I would place it in their top three as the taut, post-punk and ferocity of the lyrics are more my jam. It's not something I totally love and there are spots on the album that leave me cold lyrically, but there is a renewed sense of purpose coming off the back of Gold Against a Soul that I can't help but love. By knuckling down and stripping away the grandiose nature of preceding albums, this is the first Manix album that feels truly of a piece with a consistent tone throughout. Um, Joseph Bradfield, no relation, says, I think it's fair to say that if this album didn't exist, I wouldn't have ever discovered and started listening to the podcast back in 2020. The Holy Bible is what turned Manix from decent songs with some, uh, sorry, decent bands with some songs that I like to band I will trawl the internet for more information about. I've discovered more facets to their career since, but nothing that's gripped me in quite the same way as the first time I heard the Holy Bible in full, eyes wide, clutching the lyrics booklet. Not only is this the pinnacle of Manic's albums as artistic statement, it's also, in my opinion, the best they've ever sounded. I could listen to the bass line at the start of Archives of Pain, or the beat that runs through the intense humming of evil more or less endlessly. The story of its creation is so terribly sad, and it's sometimes uncomfortable to feel so much love for something so unpleasant but it's still right up there with my favourite music ever committed to tape. Um, Catherine says, I think the Holy Bible may be a contender for the album I've listened to most in my life, just because of how many times I played it from 1994 to 1998 or so. I knew all the words by heart, even if those pre, even in those pre-Google days, uh, I didn't get a lot of the references. In fact, the first time I ever went on the internet was Take Your Daughter to Work Day in 1995, when I went to my dad's office and got to go on his computer while he was in a meeting. I spent the entire time on the Manic site, printing off explanations of who Horthy and Zirinovsky were. I don't listen to it so often these days, but there are still times when it's the only thing I want to listen to. Um, Dave, aka Frosty Fancy, has said, this album more than any other was the soundtrack to my teenage years. Probably my most listened to album, the words and music etched onto my brain like the grooves of a record. As a solitary, studious youth, a precocious reader for as long as I can remember, a student of 20th century political history and someone who struggled with eating disorders and self-harm until my mid-twenties, this album was my religion and I worshipped at its altar for many years. I find myself returning to it rarely these days, not because it isn't a work of art and the Manic's greatest album, but because it reminds me of the person I used to be and I find myself frequently embarrassed when I think of him so this is my context and though i regret much of my teenage years if i got to live them over again i would still spend them listening to manic street preachers the holy bible um sammy has said even if this album isn't your cup of tea and i appreciate that there's no denying it's an amazing album um Grace Reynolds said, prior to the podcast, the only manic song I heard was Four Stone Seven Pounds. I was in probably the worst part of my disordered eating and I found myself listening to that, probably due to someone mentioning it on Tumblr or whatever. Scarily enough, the song made me feel validated and, in a sickening kind of way, proud. I got out of social media a few years back and mostly forgot about the song. Listening to your Holy Bible episodes, I got to Four Stone Seven Pounds and thought, holy shit, this is that song. Now knowing the history of the band, Richie's in particular, and listening to your analysis of the lyrics, I was suddenly confronted with what an ugly, selfish place I was in. This was the album that made the Manics click for me. 
once I got into the Holy Bible, all the other albums made sense within that context. And it's always the Manix album I keep coming back to, partially because of time, but also because it's just that fucking relevant and sharp-witted. It's angry, grimy, crude, and painfully sincere in a way that a lot of music isn't. It shouldn't feel comforting, but in a way it provides me some solace knowing that someone else feels that afflicted and disappointed in the world. It's a comfort album to me in much the same way OK Computer is. It doesn't make me feel good, but it does make me feel better. Sure, it's harrowing and angsty and over the top, but it means something. It's not a record that's easily forgotten. It's a very hideous mirror to find yourself reflected in. For that, amongst other reasons, it'll always be a 10 out of 10 and an ongoing favourite of mine. That kind of speaks back to what we were talking about when we got into uh, Four Stone Seven Pounds. Mm, it's very interesting. interesting. Thank you for sharing that, yeah, uh, Grace. Um, Flint Fox said, I just want to give a shout out to the US mix of the album, which I first heard in 2004 when the 10th anniversary reissue arrived. It was already a great album, but hearing the US mix was like the last piece of the puzzle clicking into place. And perhaps controversially, I vastly prefer it. The original mix sounds to me almost withdrawn in its cold misanthropy, like it's seen the horrors of the world and has isolated to escape from it. The US mix has seen the same horrors and as a result is kicking down the doors with a baseball bat and a Molotov cocktail in hand. The brute force and anger of the album is so much more powerful thanks to the more muscular production and I think it fits the album so well that it's essential. I never listen to the UK mix anymore. Ian Jones has said it was a revelation to hear the US mix on the 2004 release. I stuck it on the car and pressed play, cranking the volume up really loud. Yes, sounded more powerful than it had ever been. So guys, pretty please, a full review of the US mix, I think is order on the show. Well, we're probably not going to do that, but we can talk about it at least a little bit. Mm. Uh, behind the scenes, I mentioned at the end of the last Manage recording, there's a US mix if you want to dig it up and listen to it. Uh, Steve, I know you have. Lucas, yeah. I know you haven't. So I can play some little bits. Um, Steve, why, why don't you tell us your experiences with it a little bit first? Well, when I was going uh, for the angle of like just, just trying to like listen along with the songs without getting deep into that kind of mode, I guess, um, I thought the US mix was a really good way of doing that because I think it really highlights the songwriting and the instrumentation and everything because you don't have as much dirge it's much punchier and it's not and maybe cleaner it's um, much cleaner yeah and so therefore i think it shows off the songs better but i think i think the uk mix works for form and function in terms of it sounding like what the album is about but um i i put it on a couple of times when i wanted to just sort of get get through the holy bible without you know it being particularly sloggy um and yeah, I really enjoyed the US mix. I think it's great. It's it's separate. It's not canon for me. It's interesting. It's an interesting little artifact. It 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 never got released in the US. I don't think. I think the first time anyone heard it was was the two thousand and four tenth anniversary reissue where it made up the second disc. Um, let's hear a little bit of it, Lucas. Do you want to hear the original first and then a comparison, or do you want me to just go straight in with the US mix of Yes? I reckon I know it well enough that I oh, I'll. All right, let's have a little bit of the US mix of Yes. You can buy her. This is the same, always the same. This one's here, this one's here, and this one's here. Everything's for sale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lucas doesn't like it. (laughs) 
So immediately there's a touch of reverb on the guitar. It's beefier drums. The voice is much closer in the mix, right? It's much more of like a pop mix. Yeah. But you also get a much wider chorus. Have a listen to this chorus coming up, Lucas. His face. You can hear different guitar parts. You can hear individual instruments. You can hear individual parts again, yeah. There are yeah. now very distinctly two guitars playing at the same time there. There's no sludge. It's not all right down the middle. Which, I don't know. I don't know. Have a listen to She Is Suffering. She Is Suffering has a marked difference about it. Lucas not a fan of this either. <laughs> There's some synth now. Um, let's have a little listen to Faster. I think Faster is, is very I think Faster's very funny on the US mix. I hate purity. I hate good. They've really beefed up his vocals. Well, like, they've also have the same like tinny thing. They've replaced right? flange with reverb, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's definitely what they've done. There's a new guitar part in Revel. See if you can pick that out just very briefly. This will be the last one. There's like a a plucked acoustic kind of thing going on in the background. All of the beefy bits sound beefier. I actually quite like the chorus of Yes, but I don't like the verses as much. Um, Ewan mentioned it being the band's preferred version of the album, and that is the case for some tracks. They sing about, like, Yes, um, of Walking Abortion, I think, um, and a couple of others as, as being songs that benefit from that bigger mixed. But, but, but songs like Four Stone Seven Pounds, Faster, the, you know, the angular weird stuff that has a bit of the edges shorn off it, uh, they, they, they still prefer the, the, the UK mix. There's, there's a documentary on the 2004 reissue DVD where James says it's almost a track-by-track thing and he can go through and go, I prefer the US mix on that one, I prefer the UK mix on that one, I prefer right. the UK mix on that one, I prefer the US mix on that thing. Um, so what you're saying it's is that when they shorn some of the edges off, you wish they'd shorn more? Or the opposite. It's good. It's good. I also really want to impress one listener, and his name's pronounced Yian. Thank you. Yian. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, I, I knew as soon up. as I saw it, I was going to butcher it. And yeah. I thought, I'll just <laughs> breeze through it. Butcher, <laughs> I, I didn't say anything about any of that US mix. I just did a face yeah. the whole time. I think didn't. it was... I Don't rate? Didn't like, no, I didn't like that. <laughs> That's interesting. Got all the way back to don't rate. It's <laughs> not what I want. It's not what I want from my holy bible. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't clean it up. Yeah. Correct. I, Lucas, you and I, for the first time in history, agree on the holy bible. All right. Don't uh, let's start. On, in which case, let's let's have an argument then. Right. Okay. Well, I I also agree because I think the UK is canon. But if you want to hear something new and funky, funky, just you know, well, stick in the US, mate. well, but Adam just said that the band consider this to be their preferred version. I said that so Yian says. Are you? I, s- I said that Yian is that right? Yian, yeah. Yian uh, said that the, the that it's the band's preferred version. I okay. said uh, actually, technically, Yian, uh, <laughs> they prefer some tracks to others. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in that instance, do those tracks not then get lowered scores based on? The same logic of the Origin of Symmetry remix 66666 because you had to then take the version that they consider to be canon to be the one that you... As like the intention. You're yeah. talking about intentionality in art, right? Now, the interesting yeah. thing is when uh, when they got back the UK mix of, um, of the Holy Bible, they went, that's 100% it. That is our intention. The person who mixed it deliberately mixed it to sound thin. Uh, and they said, yep, that's exactly what we were going for. That was 100% our intention. When they then got the US mix, they went, oh, I do prefer that. Not because it was more in line with their intentions, but because it was more in line with a beefier rock sound that they like. I mean, I'm just shit staring, to be honest. No, I know. But I have a real answer for it. So gutted, mate. But also, it's just classic, like... Don't if you're going to listen to anybody on the Manix career, don't listen to the Manix. It was it was <laughs> ten years after the Holy Bible that they went. Oh no, actually, we prefer this mix in much the same way that like ten years after Send Away Their Tigers, they went. Oh no, actually, Underdogs doesn't belong on the album. We're going to put a B side on it. It's just the Manix doing their classic revisionist history thing, isn't it? Twats. Um, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and on that note. On that note, this what, episode's too long. Stop yeah, it. but, but I, t- I tell you what, you, you know what? Fucking bumper uh, episode edition for Rory McNamara, who we're going to dedicate this episode to. Thank you so much for subscribing. This episode is yours. You are welcome or we're sorry, depending yeah. on how you feel about this episode. Yeah, he's not got to the three and a half hour mark yet, has he? Briefly, though, briefly, though, briefly, I've had an email, okay? Now, oh, yeah. it, it's an email from the same guy. Look, it says, hi, Adam. I'd like to apologise for my previous email in which I stated that I wouldn't piss on your podcast if I passed it in the street and that I hate you and I hate everything you've ever done or will do. I listened to a bit more of your podcast and I actually thought it was really good and the three of you are great and excellent and very funny and actually very nice and I subscribed to your Patreon just like everybody should. After listening to your podcast, I have found myself to be a completely changed person. I have been kinder to my family and friends. I've made more time for my hobbies and have found myself happier in every single way. I'd like to thank you for your part in this turnaround. I will be eternally grateful. I have even changed my email address. All the best, James. And the new email address he sent that on is jamesdeangladfield at gmail.com. I mean... That's nice. Nice to have. It's nice to have a positive Such a effect on some people. 
spent uh, all of that wondering which one. Well, the, that brings us. Oh. To, this brings us to the end of this episode. Brings this episode to a close. Do come and talk to us. There are comments underneath this episode, uh, uh, or use the Discord. Come and talk to us in the Discord. Okay. You can have. Uh, we live in urban hell. We destroy rock and roll. We've all got that. It's safe. We've got mm. it banked. Yeah. Or you can have. If man makes podcast, podcast makes Patreon. I think that one. Yeah. Great. No, let's no, let's stay safe. Yeah, okay. No, it's right. too scary. We'll stay safe. We'll stay safe. And you stay safe as well. Hey, we hope you enjoyed that. It was very long. Well done for getting to the end and for sticking around for this bit as well. Um, and again, if you'd like to hear more of that and lots of things like it too, you can head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or you can follow the link in our show notes. You can claim your seven-day free trial of any of our various tiers right now. We hope to see you over there. And if we don't, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Goodbye. <laughs>